the blast from our past network. Hi, all. Well, this is the composer, Richard Band. You might have heard music from a few of my films, like Reanimator and From Beyond and Terrorvision. But right now, you're listening to Podcasting After Dark, a killer, killer show. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Shivers, starring Paul Hampton, Joe Silver, and Lynn Lowry. Make love to me, Zach. You're my podcast wife. <laughs> Welcome to another sleazy episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, as you heard, is my pal Zach, a.k.a. Zach the Snack. What's up, dude? Are you ready for fucking shivers? How about a kiss? How about another kiss? <laughs> I'm just going to take my top off in front of you while you're on the phone with your broham. That girl was thirsty, bro. She was thirsty. Oh, I'm ready to shiv. I, I, I'm giving shiv. I got shiv. I'm shiving all over the place. Holy shiv. Holy shiv. I can't Perfect, wait for bro. shivers. Perfect. <laughs> Woo. So Woo. yeah, What a treat. This week, we are talking about David Cronenberg's first major film. He did uh, do some stuff prior to this, but they were small things. Nothing major. This is his first major film, 1975, Shivers. And before we get into what, what Zach's familiarity, familiarity with this film is, I will say that this is part of a mini two-part series that I'm doing, this and The Burning, kind of uh, are representations of movies that I discovered during the 2020 quarantine. Uh, you know, kind of at the beginning of that, I was like, yeah, you know what, I, don't, I got free time here. Let's, uh, let's watch some movies that I've always been wondering about. And I think this one caught my eye because... It, it's always on Amazon. The Vestron Blu-ray is always on Amazon for like $8 or something. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy it. And I watched it. And I remember telling you about it. I was like, holy shit. This movie is fucking wild. So I knew we were going to talk about it eventually. And, you know, I think it was like a couple months or something. I was like, man, kind of in the mood for some like 70s like horror. I, and it's weird because I kind of more so I want to see like. 70s decor and 70s like clothing. I was just kind of in a 70s mood and maybe some 70s boobs too. And you know what? Shivers is a perfect example of all of that. <laughs> and a perfect representation of 70s in Canada, I guess you should say too. Yes. yes. A, and 70s men's hair. Oh my <laughs> God. Not the highlight yeah. of the 70s, I'll say. Well, first of all, I was like the 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 one of the main dudes, uh, Tobin, to, uh, Tobin, Tudor, 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 Nikki, yeah, Nikki, Nikki Tudor. Uh, I was like, oh, it's it's look, it's it's a it's a well groomed Howard Stern from back in the day, <laughs> or um, or a the guy from The Orphans, but without a lazy eye. <laughs> 
You mean David Schwimmer? David <laughs> yes, Schwimmer? Lazy eye David Schwimmer. <laughs> David Schwimmer for one. David Schwimmer for one. Because um, he eats by himself. <laughs> yes. No. Um, no, dude. Yeah. I'm so glad you picked this movie. Uh, I thought for some reason I got this mixed up with Rabbit as being his first film. I thought Rabbit was his first one. I'm not as big of a fan of Rabbit as I am of Shivers um, because I've seen Shivers countless times from back in the day, from back in the Disney, from freaking me out and i saw it like an edited version on saturday morning creature features back in the in um, detroit michigan tv 20 i think it was uh, anyways uh or channel 55 anyways Ooh, i don't know how do you put this on tv and it's not just for like the straight up nudity but like uh, uh janine tudor is, is brawless the entire movie like how is that how could you even put that on tv well she's brawless but i guess they get away with the fact that she has a shirt on over her I mean, I, I mean, she's she, she's practically nude. She is, she is, and 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 I don't think I even picked up on that when I was a kid. However, what I did pick up on when I was a kid, and what I still pick up on now, is the overall uh, bizarreness and 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 Cronenberg's fascination, which started then and continues to this day. His fascination with sex and sexuality and perversion and uh, body I mean, horror from body yeah from this to videodrome to exit exit existence ex, yeah existence yeah I've, I've seen that which is a great movie by yeah, the way i actually really like that. that yep yeah it's really and it's kind of a precursor to the matrix uh because it goes into alternate world yeah no actually it was very smart uh existence is a, is a great fucking movie jennifer jason lee jude law yep. Mm-hmm. Um, before he became a douchebag in Captain Marvel. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, dude, I, I've seen this movie countless times. I love it. Um, I'm so glad you chose it. 1975, neither of us was born nope. yet nope. at that time. <laughs> um, I was probably considered being conceived at that time. Uh, I hope this wasn't the movie my parents saw, but you never know. <laughs> you never, you never know. know. You never know. And it's not a question I will ever ask them. Uh, however, dude, I, yeah, I'm so glad to revisit this. The Vestron, Vestron is on fire with yeah. their Blu-rays. Yeah. Dude, fire. Um, the, the, not all their Blu-rays are inexpensive. Some of them can be kind of pricey. Uh, however, this one, yeah, is dirt cheap, like the Wraith. Uh, the Wraith was dirt cheap as well. Great. I love it. Slipcover. Uh, extras, uh, looks fantastic on Blu-ray subtitles. Thank you God <laughs> yeah. for subtitles. Cause folks, we old, so we love our subtitles and man, oh man, what a cast, what a crew. Um, God damn. Yeah. Hey, all where do you all start? Of the above. Yeah. Where do we start? But yeah, I, I, I do want to reiterate what you're saying about the Vestron Blu-ray. Uh, we're not getting paid by them. This is not a paid advertisement. So whenever we recommend a Blu-ray, it is because it, we're doing it from a personal, you know, perspective. And this one was great. I watched the documentary, uh, the the interview with David Cronenberg, the older one. Uh, I didn't watch the the archival one. They had one from like 1985 or something. But I watched the new one that they made. And then I watched the one with uh, they interviewed Nurse Forsyth. Uh, I forgot her name, but they interviewed. Lynn her. Lowry. D- yeah, what was it? Lynn Lowry. Lynn Lowry. Wow, she was. She's a beautiful woman. 
Um, and so it, it, very, very insightful, very good interviews. The picture quality is beautiful uh, for the Blu-ray transfer. And yeah, guys and gals, it's always less than $10 on Amazon. So go get it, you know, as, as opposed to uh, what Zach was saying about how they're not all the same price. Man, I've been sitting on Maximum Overdrive uh, Vestron Blu-ray for, for months now waiting for it to be less than like fucking $25 or something, you know, so we can, so I can pull the trigger on that one, you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, come on, Vestron, drop that one, baby. I, I wonder why. I wonder if that's a rights thing makes that one be a bit more expensive or something. I would say yes. Probably. Yeah, it's probably but easier I, to get the rights for Shivers than Maximum Overdrive. Yes, yeah. but I have zero idea. <laughs> yeah, right. You were, we're just guessing here. but uh, I can pretend. I can pretend. You know, and really quick to piggyback on what you said earlier in regards to why you chose this, a part of your, uh, you know, quarantine trilogy, uh, quarantine double feature. Uh, yeah, I mean, it works. It, it, it preys upon what a creepy film yeah. overall. Uh, as, as as bizarre and kind of funny as it is in many ways, it is really creepy. And the final scene of you know our boy, uh, Doctor Saint Luke, at the end, like so. Like I remember watching this, uh, the, just the last time I watched it to get ready for this breakdown, and I was like, oh my god, I remember that from my childhood, being so freaked out by that. I mean, so freaked out. I've seen it four times, essentially now and probably in about a year, almost exactly a year. I've seen it four times and it holds up so well. It's one of those movies that gets better every time I watch it. You're right. It has a creepy factor that you just can't put your finger on, like why it's so creepy. But it's essentially like a, a, a perverted Night of the Living Dead with just as much of a, of a you know, worldwide effective ending as, as Night of the Living Dead. I mean, like. This is not something that is contained, you know, spoiler alert, like it goes out into the world. And and I also love the fact that it essentially takes place in like one day tonight, which I always kind of like these, you know, really hyper focused pieces of time. And then it also takes place in one place. It's like it's almost got everything and 70s boobs. It almost has everything that Sleazy C could want in a movie. (laughs) And perverted old men. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yep, we're going to have a lot to talk about, so (laughs) I mean a lot. So let's jump into the cast and crew, starting with producer Ivan Reitman. Wow. Yeah, and music supervisor, too. Yeah, I think uh, because on this one, it doesn't have any uh, original score. It does not have an original score. I think everything is, is... I, I don't know what you would call it. Found, not found footage. I'm sure they paid for the rights, but nothing was original because he hadn't worked. He didn't work. I think Cronenberg, I don't think worked with a uh, composer until I believe rabid maybe. Yeah. I, uh, that regardless of where he sourced the music, uh, I loved it. Me too. And for a Halloween night, uh, we great soundtrack to play in the background. Fun fact, uh, playing night of the living dead, the original 68 soundtrack. If you can find that on, it's on YouTube, it's free or whatever. Uh, play that if you want to creep your kids out. That's a great soundtrack to play. And The Fog, by the way, oh, yeah. uh, the opening to The Fog because it has, um, was it David Hausman or I forget the guy's name, but you know, the Spivey Bay and there was a night like this or whatever. Anyways, uh, great soundtrack. Unlike Madman. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, JK. Uh, I don't have this on vinyl, but uh, but yeah, great soundtrack. And Ivan Reitman, holy shit. Yeah. One of his first 
uh, things he's probably one of his first projects he's ever worked on, right? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. And then uh, freaking written and directed by David Cronenberg, the master of body horror. We have not, uh, you know, discussed one of his movies here on on podcasting after dark. I, I, we all know and love him from movies like The Fly and Scanners and Videodrome and Existence, like we just said. But me personally. I will always love him from Jason X. No, I'm just kidding. I will always love him as Decker in Nightbreed. Okay, so you just answered my question. I I know what your favorite Cronenberg role is, but what's your favorite Cronenberg movie? If you had to pick one, what would it be? At this point, it would be Shivers. To be truthful with you, um, really? I yes, I I I'm not really? gonna lie, I love this movie. Uh, the Fly, really? I I love The Fly. Um, existence, I love Existence. Uh, Crash, Existence, I existence. think. Existence, Existence. Uh, Crash, he was he directed Crash, didn't he? Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, so that I was kind of lukewarm on that. And to be truthful with you, I've never seen Dead Ringers because. I'm still scared of the trailer that I saw on TV as a kid. That trailer for Dead Ringer scared the shit out of me. Um, but, dude, seriously, I love Shivers, man. Really do. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so let me throw it back at you then. What is your favorite Cronenberg film? Uh, Naked Lunch, by the way. I watched Naked Lunch when I was a kid. Didn't get it. Didn't understand yeah, it at all. I mean, yeah, I as a... I grew up watching his movies as a kid and then as a film student seeing his movies because he was considered, you know, he's such an auteur, an artiste, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, Scanners, though, is my favorite. Okay. Scanners is my favorite because it is the horror version of Star Wars. It <laughs> is truly the horror version. It's a, it's a hero's journey of a, of a character that you don't think can rise to the occasion. And then he does at the very end. You're like, holy shit, this is the guy who knows how to be a Jedi. He was a Jedi all along. Um, and forget about the sequels, which are fun, but you know, he had no part in those. Right. Scanners is great. It's so, it's so much more than the head explosion. Just like this movie is so much more than the poop, uh, poop penis, uh, alien going up the girl's, crotch yeah know, the woman's crotch it's so much more than that one scene as many of his movies are they are so much more than that one scene yeah. um but yeah scanners would be the one scanners and videodrome is a close second i i very much enjoyed videodrome um I, i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to you two movies in cronenberg's catalog and it's weird because you look at it and you think he's been so like done so many movies but he he actually hasn't you know he hasn't had like done like a hundred films or anything but the yeah. two movies that are the, the the holes in my uh, experience is Scanners and Dead Ringers. I have never seen Scanners. And at this point, I'm just waiting to watch it for, for Podcast After Dark. It's either I'm going to bring it to the table because I want to see it, or I assume you will at some point probably. And at this point, I might as well just wait. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you probably won't have to wait that much longer knowing that now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, but yeah, I think you... it falls in the same category as the Dead Ringers. Like, I think I saw that when I was so young. It literally scared the – like, just the, the that one shot of the guy's head exploding scared the holy hell out of me. And I – because I think I, – I feel like I watched it on some – you know, special effects VHS or something where they talk about special effects or something, you know, back in the day. And it just, it scared me. Yeah, his, it's it's pretty remarkable that this guy who 
did really taboo horror films in the early 80s, late late 70s, early 80s, went on to become like an Academy Award nominated, you know, director and writer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we like Eastern Promises. That was another decent one. Oh, yeah, um, I like Vigo that. Vigo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. like that movie. And yeah, he's, he, I mean, the guy's a, the guy's a legend. Um, at one point, I feel like someone started a rumor that he died a year or so ago as well. Maybe it was the same guy that did the thing with Wings Hauser. <laughs> well, I'm going to start rumors. Who died.com. Um, had a good run. Uh, <laughs> had a good run. <laughs> Listen to Two Dollar right. to get that uh, reference. <laughs> oh shit! I'm never gonna live that down. But um, but yeah, no, he he's he's phenomenal, and I'm so glad that he's still making movies, and I'm so glad we're breaking down one of his one of his well, t- technically like his first his first feature film, really. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote it and directed it. So yeah. there you go. Um, you, you were talking about uh special effects though, and and I just wanted to point out. Joe Blasco does the special effects for this movie. And if, for those that don't know who Joe Blasco is, if you ever opened up a Fangoria from the late 70s and the 80s, his ads for go to Joe Blasco's uh, special effects school in yes. Hollywood, California. Learn how to be a pro. Very much like the, you know, learn how, if you can draw this cartoon turtle, you're an artist. <laughs> no. Yes. Um, so it's pretty apparent that I'm like, oh, Learn from the greats, Joe Blasco. <clears throat> he's no Tom Savini. Uh, that's for damn sure. He's He is no Tom Savini, and uh, whew, the blood in this Oof-a. is definitely like that ketchup red 1970s blood. And, you know, it's you watch and you're like, okay, it's cheesy, but now... It's kind of it's kind of like nostalgic because that's kind of like how the shit looked back then until Tom Savini really started digging in and giving us the good shit, you know? Yeah, I, I have I have no problem with it. I love the, the nostalgic factor. It's funny. Uh, it's always cool and interesting to see how they hide things, the, 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 the sleight of hand to, yeah. to make it look real. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I never signed up for his uh, special effects school. <laughs> Me too. Me too, buddy. <laughs> Waste of money. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> um, yeah, should we talk about the cast? Absolutely, dude. Dude, uh, playing the lead, Roger St. Luke. Paul What Hampton. a name. Sorry, what a name, dude. Roger St. Luke, baby. <laughs> Roger St. Luke. And what a bodacious hair dude this Co- guy has in the movie. Quaffed. His quaffed of hair. But, um, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I just I, want I to talk, point out. I talked over you. His name, his name is uh, Paul Hampton. Yes, yes. And I just want to point out on his biography on uh, IMDb. An actor, singer, composer, lyricist, and writer, Paul Hampton is listed as one of the 100 major architects of American rock and roll in the British Rock Journal, Foot Soldiers and Kings. Jesus, that is um, a bold a... statement. <laughs> he attended Dartmouth College, where, he w- where by his sophomore year, he was simultaneously signed by Columbia Records and Columbia Pictures to write music with Hal David and Burt Bacharach. So, fun fact, Hal David was a parent of mine when I was a teacher. Oh, cool. Oh, that's because awesome. Because his daughter came in one day, and she's like, my dad made music with Burt Bacharach. I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, no, he did. <laughs> Trip out on that shit. Uh, blew me away. Anyways, um, yeah, he has written songs which have been recorded by Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Merle Haggard, Tom Jones, Bette Midler, and Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, that's pretty phenomenal for a dude that 
is in a schlocky 70s horror film. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think that is why he has such big dick energy in this movie. Like, you know, he 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 seems <laughs> yeah, like dude. big shit in this movie. Like he he's carrying himself like he's kind of king shit and he seems like a, a very talented guy. Yeah, oh my god. I mean, the dude is like I'm 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 in love with the guy. I'm in love with the guy uh now that he was on Babylon 5 for for a season. Yeah. So uh I'm, that's pretty dope too. I'm I mean, in love the, with the, his hair, man. I'm in love with his hair. I'm in love with his his kind of presence on screen. Yeah, his his BDE baby. You you feeling it? You you're like, I dude, I'm I'm vibing with it. Well, he he's a okay, so he's the type of dude where a person would just uh a female persuasion would be showing themselves full tilt boogie and he could give two shits because he's on the phone with his brother, his broham, who is played by Joe Silver and he plays uh Rolo Linsky. Oh, Joe Silver baby. Joe Silver, the fucking awesomest, the 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 best pipes in the biz, babe. I could listen oh. to him talk all day long. Unfortunately, he, he passed away in 1989, but man, oh man, I, I now I know he played the creep in Creep Show 2. The creep yeah, but like you don't really, you didn't really hear. His, I don't think you heard his voice. Maybe in that. Now I'm just trying to remember because I, I actually just watched Creepshow too, like a couple months ago. I, sh- I wish I'd paid more attention to the creep. Um, but boy, oh boy, is is Rolo Linsky a great character? I love Joel Silver, Joe Silver in this movie. Yeah, he's so cool, and his voice is so distinctive. It's yeah. it's just really deep baritone. Uh, I can't even do it. But uh, he, the guy is so you would recognize him right away from being in a lot of things a lot of sitcoms on tv he was in three two one contact by the way one episode of that just want to point out uh i love that show death trap which is a really cool thriller with um michael Caine and christopher reeve uh and diane cannon really great movie just a just a really cool presence and man yeah i've got a lot of, a lot of feels about his his scenes in this movie and then what what happens to him later on. oh i know um, i know i know dude <laughs> kind of rounding out the the main cast lynn lowry plays nurse forsyth and lynn lowry was in the crazies yeah um Which, not a fan of that movie I, I was gonna say you and i have gone on record to say that we actually like the the remake uh better yep. it wasn't in which uh, she's in yeah and i actually had the the clamshell uh anchor bay original uh crazies release um yeah i enjoyed it enough but yeah i definitely like the remake better and i am glad that she was she was in that one yeah i i think um you know look i, I i'm not i don't mean to ever really shit on romero I, I think he's phenomenal and yes he is one of the godfathers of of horror um but some of his movies i think are can be i think you can say well this was not that great it's not you know would you watch it multiple times but hey, look if you're into it that's all good. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real. Like, I I don't think I see a lot of like you know uh, crazies fans out there. Like, you, you people are gonna wear Night of the Living Dead T-shirts and everything like that. Day of the Dead people love Day of the Dead. Yeah, Gone. there's a reason yeah. that you know people aren't talking about crazies. It's cool. It was a cool movie. I'm glad it exists. You know, it's a cool concept. But come on, guys, come on, go watch Day of the Dead. You know, give me give me his. Give me some of Romero's more modern ones. Give me uh, the Dark Half. Give which is a really good, which is a really good Stephen King uh, adaptation. Give me um, Bruiser, which is really cool. If you've never seen Bruiser, 
this dude is like a faceless kind of it's a little like dark man actually mm. uh really cool flick anyways um yeah the the but yeah but uh i think it's cool that lynn lowry is also in the crazies as well yeah and she's still working today because she was in the rabbit remake uh that came out in 2019 so she's still working nice nice yeah and she's yeah like you said she's a stunning actor stunning looking person mm-hmm. um rounding out kind of the main cast and i don't think we need to get into like the, the side characters but uh nicholas tudor is played by alan coleman uh, aka howard's turn AKA Howard Stern, AKA, who'd you say you look like? <laughs> the leader of the orphans. Yeah, the leader of the, oh yeah, uh, Table for One, David Schwimmer, <laughs> Table for One. Um, he was a postal clerk in Pump Up the Volume. <clears throat> he He's, I'm looking at his IMDb, he's, he's oh, worked so much, and yet I don't think I've seen almost anything he's been in because he's been in, well, I've seen NYPD Blue, but I don't remember where he was there, you know? But he's like been in stuff like West Wing and, you know, and like Jag and stuff like that. So, I mean, like the dude's still like like working and whatnot, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I couldn't take my eyes off him in this movie. I think he had some quality to him, some X factor to him. Uh, the, not quite the same BDE as, uh, you know, as as... St. <laughs> Luke, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I dug him. I really, really dug him for some reason. I think his char- I think his character is hilarious. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, his scenes are really funny, uh, especially when he's trying to talk his belly up. Which I'm like, oh, that's how many dudes do that to themselves? If you know what I'm saying. Uh, come on, little guy, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, get hard. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, no, he's he's terrific. Everybody's great in this. Everybody, this has elements of uh, Rosemary's Baby, you know, with the creepy people in the apartment complex. Well, they weren't always creepy, but they get creepier as time goes on. Yeah, I love what a that. Great concept. You want you look at this and you're like, oh, um, you know, the end of the world bleakness from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Probably he was inspired by that a little bit. Uh, the, 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 the unprotected sex from the sixties and seventies led to this as well. Yeah. You know, STDs and whatnot. Um, you could probably say the same, you know, you could show this now and it has just as, just as much relevancy now as it did back then. In fact, you could make this a quarantine film where everyone's trapped in the, you know, afraid to leave. So they lean on each other and slowly they're getting turned one by one. I mean, I watched this during quarantine, and it, it holds up so well as a first-time viewing when I was like, well, it's probably 40, yeah, 42 when I watched it. Anyways, still holds up well in, in 2020, you know what I mean? 2021, if it's your first time watching it. And again, I will stand by the fact that this is probably my favorite Cronenberg film. I think I, what I love about it is how raw it is, and I think we're getting a very good look into the mind of the creator as you know, I mean, he writes all his other stuff too, but like, I feel like this story was fully his and fully realized and imagined by him. And I'm just like, I, there's just something about it that I love. And you know, cause I, I love existence and stuff, but there's like little things here. I'm like, eh, that's, I didn't love that part of it or whatever. And there's cool stuff in like dead zone where the guys like, you know, stabs his mouth thing. You know, the, 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 Oh, dead zones. Great. Yeah. That's a great movie too. But like then, but that's, that's a Stephen King book right wasn't that a, that was a Stephen yep, King story yep. so that's not quite his thing I feel like this and then Naked Lunch that wasn't uh, uh that wasn't his story as well so nope. I feel like Shivers is like his thing like we're really getting a look <clears> into <throat> it and there's and you know what 
you mentioned the humor. I think this movie has a lot of humor in it. I think David Cronenberg has a very sharp, you know, dark humor to him. And if you get past a lot of the stuff, you're like, oh, that was kind of funny. You're like, wait a minute. He meant for that to be funny. You know, I think he's back there being like, guys, this is this is supposed to be a comedy here. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think he's trying to make a statement and he's got a wicked dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, all all of his movies that he wrote and directed have a similar vibe during this time, you know. And you look at Crash. Crash was like sex with cars, people getting turned on by car crashes and weird shit. And I remember Fangoria covered that, and I think it was probably during yeah. that time when they didn't have much to cover, and it was like, you know, Cronenberg, and it had some, you know, some special effects in it, so they were like, oh, let's cover it. And I was like, okay, and I saw it, and I was like, I don't understand this movie at all. I think they put it on the cover of their magazine, yeah. you know, and even Tony Timpone asked, even Tony Timpone talked about that in our interview, which, by the way, if you've not listened to the Tony Timpone interview, please do. It's on our Patreon. It's really good. It's very Tony good. Tony Timpone's a great, it's very good. And he talked about the direction change with Fangoria and how they, and if you think about it, horror did hit a lull. Well, they were affected by the lull. by the lack of horror movies that came out in what yeah. the early nine mid nineties ish or whatever that kind of that lull happened. Yeah, and Godzilla is not a horror film. Jurassic Park is not a horror film. But he talks about the fact that they had to maintain a, a monthly schedule, so they had to put something in there. Yep, and I mean the the the, the coffin's been sealed on a lot of these magazines because of that. Um, then Rue Morgue woke up with the idea, and they're like, "No, let's just stretch it out. We don't have to do a monthly magazine. Let's do." Every six months. And that's why I went to, to Remorque. And because they had bigger articles and they had more retrospectives. They didn't try to always keep up. They just said, hey, we're going to keep up a little bit. Here's some new stuff. But now let's go talk about, like, let's spend, like, 20 pages talking about a director. Like, that's yeah. where I got my information was from Remorque. Yeah, word. I mean, people who run podcasts should kind of take note on some of those old articles because they're really good. They're chock full of great tidbits. Yeah. That I'm sure you can find it online, but whatever. Yeah, no, Cronenberg, uh, like his his personal body of work is very weird and bizarre, and um, been you gotta be you gotta have a sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, look at us, like the half the shit we say is just tongue in cheek, yeah, and it's not meant to be taken seriously. I mean, people are like, people know that I work with kids, and it, it it's silly. The stuff I say on here is purely just silly, and it's like, come on, we all need to lighten up. Yeah. Don't take those. Just relax you know, a little bit. Don't take yourself so seriously. How about that, people? You know, and yeah. And before before we you know get into it, I will say, I mean, Cronenberg's probably the only director that I I probably love him as an actor equally as I do, uh, you know, as a director. <laughs> yeah, he's been great. He's been in a bunch of movies uh, as an actor and highly entertaining and he pops up on weird shit like he was literally in like two episodes of like star trek discovery as like a scientist guy and i'm like why why is cronenberg here you know i get the sense that he's kind of like i just uh, put me yeah sure i got nothing else to do it seems like he just wants to have a good time somewhere you know even though he's always so deadpan yeah i mean you look at uh the stupids um um blood and donuts to die for um I'm looking at some of the movies that he's been in. Oh, Into the Night, by the way, really good 80s movie. Um, he was in an episode of The Newsroom, Extreme Measures, uh, The Judge, 
Uh, and then, of course, Jason X, Alias. Yeah. You know, he was in, uh, he was two episodes of Alias. I think Town. I, I kind of get the sense that he just acts for fun and he puts no, like, thought into it, like, where he's going to go. He doesn't care. But when it comes to what he directs and writes, I think he puts a massive amount of thought in it, you know? Oh, totally, totally. And and bravo to the guy. Yeah. It'd be great to have him on the show someday, but if that ever happens. I mean, <clears throat> you know what? Never say never, man. You know, never I'm, say I'm, never. I, I'm like, I, I would be terrified, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I, I get the sense that, you know what? He might actually do it. I mean, honestly, at this point, if we got Tom Noonan, you know, I, I think no one's really off limits except for maybe like, you know, George Lucas or something, you know? Watch us get George Lucas. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to eat my words. <laughs> right. All right. You ready to eat some parasites? Oh, I'm ready to get shivved <laughs> in every orifice. Every orifice, baby. Let's do it. If you think you're not afraid of the dark, if you think you have a strong stomach, if you feel nothing can shock you, if you say you don't scare easily, if you believe you've seen everything, then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear, beyond your wildest nightmares, and brings you face to face with terror, beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed, or incarnations of absolute evil. They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death. picture doesn't make you scream and squirm you'd better see a psychiatrist quick so the movie starts with a voiceover advertising the starliner apartments they are a luxury apartment that is on um, a little island that you can only get to from a from a bridge and they the the advertisement really touts up the luxurious lifestyle of this apartment complex love it Love it. Hello, I'm Ronald Merrick, and I'm here to invite you aboard our Starliner. Yes, it's true. Day-to-day -day living becomes a luxury cruise when you've made your home at Starliner Tower Apartments. Although downtown Montreal is only 12 and a half minutes away, once you've crossed the Carrier Bridge to Starliner Island, the noise and the traffic of the city might as well be a million miles away. Leave your car in the tension of the city in a space reserved for you in our vast underground garage. If friends have followed you home, there's convenient parking for them on ground level. Invite them up to share the breathtaking view from your balcony or picture window. Gracious hospitality is easy in any Starliner apartment. They all come fully equipped with the most modern name brand electrical appliances, and cable TV is standard, too. Relax by the side of our heated Olympic-sized swimming pool and watch the St. Lawrence River flow by on its way to the sea. 
exercise the fun way on our nine-hole golf course designed by international golf pros. Or if tennis is your game, you won't have to wait for playing time on our multiple courts, day or night. Explore our island paradise, secure in the knowledge that it belongs to you and your fellow passengers alone. Cruise the seasons, the sun, and the stars without ever leaving the great ship Starliner. It's all here. A restaurant complete with takeout service, a variety store, delicatessen, boutique, drugstore, dry cleaning service. They're here to serve you. And don't forget our on-premises dental, and medical clinics staffed by the world's finest professionals. Sail through life in quiet and comfort. Cruise Starliner. Studios, one bedroom, and two bedroom apartments are now available. From Starco, a division of General Structures Incorporated. After the voiceover uh, is kind of done, we kind of also see stock uh, pictures and everything of the hotel. I keep saying, I keep wanting to say a hotel. It's it's an apartment complex. Um, by the way, it was a functioning apartment complex when they filmed in it. They filmed the entire movie in it. I think something ridiculous, like 15 days or something. But it was a fully functioning apartment complex with people living in it. I mean, would you consider that guerrilla filmmaking? Uh, I... If it if if they didn't like yes if they didn't have the okay from the Starliner because they also stayed there as well so so the whole crew and the whole cast all stayed in the in the apartments and then it was also functioning at the same time that's awesome so that great. is wild so great yeah I know I, I love that complex it's beautiful yeah it's it's really cool great view mm-hmm. so as the voiceover ends and we're, we see this young couple uh, pulling up to the Starliner apartment Starliner towers. Uh, <laughs> Dude, real quick, that the guy's hair, this the first like this guy, this couple, like his yeah. face looks like he's 12, but he has the hair of like a 40 year old. I don't understand it at all. I love me some hair product. <laughs> Guys and gals. So this is what I know from the 70s. Men's hair. The top of it was short, but they let the sides grow out real long and it's <laughs> not a good look and it's never come back around. Thank the gods for that. Thank all the gods for that one. <laughs> uh, they go up to the security guard and ask for the rental agent. They have an appointment. The security guard says he'll buzz the office. We cut to a schoolgirl trying to hold a door closed. It flies open and knocks her on the bed. An older man walks into the room and looks menacingly at her. By the way, guys, I cut it, but Zach had to say it five times for me to get it right. <laughs> quick, quick trick if you if you just say it over and over and over again really fast. <clears throat> uh, cut back to the couple in the lobby. The wife asks the security guard if he's ever used his gun, and the guard says he's never taken it out of its holster. A rival company carries guns, so they have to. It's, a, it's an advertising gimmick. Honestly, I get it. That sounds very 2021. Yeah, safe and secure. I, I just want to point out, too, really quick Please. about that the scene of the uh, girl in the uniform and the creepy guy. At the time, we don't know who he is yet. There's, like, no sound. Mm -hmm. in, or there is sound, you know, but there's no, no dialogue, nothing. It's very creepy. And jarring. Very creepy. Mm -hmm. It's daytime, too, by the way. Yeah. Daytime horror. 
Love daytime horror. Yep. No, you're you're a hundred percent correct, dude. Um, I th- so there's gonna be a bunch of these little cuts, and we don't know what's happening. But I I love that. I love that we sort of learn it as the movie goes along and everything. Uh, because now we cut back to the old man still fighting on the bed with the schoolgirl. Like you said, very minimal like no score very minimal sort of like grunts and stuff like that but you don't know what's happening you think he's like trying to rape her essentially and it's interesting that that's not what's happening if anything it's probably reversed or it happened already exactly cut back to the security guard letting an old people letting an old couple in the front door mr merrick walks out and meets with the young couple and takes them to his office Oh, Merrick, that guy's, he's, whew, he's, he's an interesting looking fellow. He's an interesting. He's great. He's great. He he's so creepy. <laughs> he is. He is. That was what, that was what gave me the, uh, the vibes of, um, Rosemary's baby mm, okay. with these kind of like, hello, welcome. Like almost like there's something devious about them, but maybe there isn't. Maybe yeah. there is. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. Oh, he might already be infected. We don't know. Maybe there's a $50 bill in my wallet. <laughs> then again, maybe there isn't. <laughs> Um, upstairs the schoolgirl runs for the door but the old man grabs her and throws her on the couch he gets on top of her and strangles her I, to death I mean I didn't I th- first I thought she maybe she was just passed out or but, but no she's, yeah. she's dead downstairs Mr. America showing the couple some floor plans they look interested upstairs the old man puts tape over the girl's mouth then carries her to the kitchen table Wipes, like, everything off of it, except for a glass of, of milk that he clearly milk. missed. And every time I watch it, I get scared for the actress that it's going to break when she lands on it. Uh, yeah, this is not this is not the scene with broken glass, but I'm like, is that thing going to bl- Oh, it's a plastic cup. Yeah, okay. I, but every time I'm like, oh, God, it's going to shatter on her. <laughs> uh, so he puts her on the table, and then he, like, rips open her shirt. It's interesting now, like, the camera's kind of outside, like, looking at his window, or what you presume to be his window or of that apartment, and the camera kind of, like, uh, tracks down and then dollies left to another apartment window, so now you're getting the sense that, okay, this is happening upstairs in the same apartment. Uh, We see Nicholas Tudor brushing his teeth, well, with, like, a water pick or something. Remember, those were all the rage in the the 70s. Oh, water picks. Yeah, (laughs) I used to love water picks, dude. I would just, like, I like to play with it. Of course. No one uses them anymore, do they? No, because what happens is if you don't clean that thing out with, like, a brush, it gets mold on the inside of it. yeah. Disgusting. Then you got mold going in on your teeth. Yeah. Then you got bacteria in there. And you know ain't nobody cleaning that shit out, you know? Hell no, dude. This, this... So aesthetically, the building is beautiful. Yeah. The view is beautiful. This preys upon some of my darkest fears when it comes to like 70s decor, mm-hmm. like carpet everywhere, <laughs> carpet everywhere. Everywhere. And, and like, so my stepdad, Mike, he was a tile contractor and he worked, he did tile in this old build, uh, apartment complex back in the day in, in, in a bathroom and he was ripping the carpet out, right? And he had a full beard, like a big, full, beautiful beard. He got crabs in his beard from the carpet. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he comes home. He's like, why is my beard so itchy? My mom's like, well, let me see. And he had crabs in there. And he had to shave it, didn't he? uh, He trimmed it. And then just washed the hell out of it. Yes. How how would you have carpet in your bathroom, Bathroom. dude? 
Yeah. And, and by the <laughs> Disgusting. way... Disgusting! By the way, file this conversation under uh, Ninja 3 The Domination, because remember they have carpet in the in the aerobic studio? Yes! Oh, that's oh, right. I forgot about that. I might have brought up the crap story in that, too. But if I... I'm not sure if I did. Everybody, go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. Uh, yeah, it's a great episode, guys. <laughs> you should it definitely... It is a great episode. Great. But, dude, oh, it's so gross. And uh, it's like, you know that shit. Brand new. Everyone's like, oh, it's so great. And then it just sits there for 20, 30 years. No, it's disgusting. No. I, I love hardwood floors, by the way. Not, oh, uh, hard. I'm not, oh, I'm not a big fan of carpets. Cubes. Oh, especially in the bathroom. God, that's a bad pee idea. Pee stains, pee Jesus soaked Christ. into the carpet. Ugh. God, Jesus. Hard. Okay. Uh, well, while Sorry. He's, Back while, to that water pick. Yeah, I know. Back to that water pick, which is even better. Back to that moldy water pick. Uh, as he's, like, doing it, he all of a sudden gets this, like, jolt of pain uh, in Ugh. his stomach, and he kind of oh. bends over. <laughs> so that, that, that pushed buttons on me, too. Like, how many times have you brushed, and maybe your like, my, my gums are, like, slowly kind of not receding, but just lower than normal? And like you brush, you're like, ah, oh, nerve endings. Oh, oh, I never hit my, I have sensitive teeth, so I use Sensodyne. I never have uh, problems. Guys and gals, buy Sensodyne. This podcast is sponsored by Sensodyne. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, use Sensodyne, buddy. You, those, you'll never have I nerve do. problems. <laughs> I do. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Remember right. when I, that's whole story about getting my teeth whitened and then it <laughs> hurt my teeth? Yeah. Fucking neon. Your fucking Sorry. neon teeth. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> They're still white, by the way. I can uh, see them. They're blinding yeah. me. <laughs> Glowing. I know. And it's not my o- O-ring. Like, um, no, he's so gross, man. Like, his reaction is so relatable in a way. Not that I ever had any sort of weird disease like he has. Or well, we've all, we've all had poop cramps where we're like, oh, God. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> dude, and, dude, he does a good job emoting pain. Yes, he does. His face is so good. And I think he probably draws on, on all the poop cramps that he's had <laughs> in his past. Ah. Uh, his wife kind of opens the door and asks if he's okay. Uh, he says he's fine. And she says, uh, breakfast will be ready soon. You don't know what's happening yet, but, you know, after multiple viewings, I like the fact that this movie starts in the middle of all of it. Or I should say towards the end of this whole thing because, yeah, yeah it's not the beginning of the experiments. I don't want people getting infected. Like, people, like, as we're going into this, people are already infected. And that's what I think is very interesting. And I think also, too, the fact that uh, uh, he's such a dick to her. He's such a dick to her from, like, the moment he talks. Everything, she's she's so sweet. No. Yeah. Doesn't want anything to do with her. And, and But the problem is we don't know if that's the parasite or if that's him. You know what I mean? We, we don't have any point of reference. So I'm hoping that it's it's not him and that she didn't marry a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say both. Yeah, could I'm be. I'm going to say both. Could be. Because we all know that people do that. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, as soon as she closes the door, he puts the water pick away and examines his stomach. Nick walks out of the bedroom fully dressed and sits on sits at the table. Now, did you notice that he that their that their dining room table or their kitchen table chairs are fucking uh, um, director chairs? You know, with the the cloth backs or whatever. Dude, those things are so fucking uncomfortable, man. Maybe that's why he's such a dick. Probably. I, I'm sure that was just '70s fashion, <laughs> you know. But th- those kind of fucking chairs are terrible. That chair is terrible, but the chair he sits in later on in his like lounge area, uh, so dope. It's so fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I, I that noted chair. that. By the way, I noted that. We'll talk about like that, that when that we get there. <laughs> Japanese style. Ooh. So cool. Uh, cut to upstairs. 
now the old man is wearing like a um a surgical mask but he's also shirtless uh he takes hot <laughs> so hot so hot with his hairy chest <laughs> all the guys chests in this movie are hairy as shit i and yet i have no hair whatsoever on my body it's so foreign to me <laughs> uh and we know zach uh you don't either so everybody Guys and gals, we are two sexy beasts. Uh, he takes, I agree. He takes a scalpel out of his bag and then slices down the girl's abdomen. He pulls back her skin, but we can't really like see what he's looking at, which I'm fine with. I if they remade this, I know that it would be gorier, but I don't. I didn't need to see anything gorier than what we saw. Oh, I I think it's totally effective. Yeah. Um, this is one of the few times in the movie when I'm like, oh, the special effects or the sleight of hand or whatever you want to call it. It's so good because you don't need to show that. You know that he's cutting into her. You know that he's like digging his hand in there. It's because she's turned kind of sideways. Yeah. You yeah know, we're seeing her whatever. profile. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think that to me is like old school style. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you don't even need the sound effects. It's not even like you don't hear the squishiness no. or whatever. It's good. And your brain is going to put in something much more vivid than they could ever show you, anyways. Yep. Downstairs, Nicholas and Janine are having breakfast. Janine asks if she can call him at the office. He says, what do you want to call me at the office for, Janine? <laughs> I like his move number two. <laughs> I love his voice, by the way. Uh, <laughs> make love to me, Janine. <laughs> she says she might like to call him. He goes, uh, you, you can tell their relationship is a bit strained right here. Uh, he says that he isn't going to be in the office except to sign in. He has a lot of, uh, of clients to check out. He works at an insurance adjustment you know, place or something. Uh, Janine lights up a cigarette in frustration at the dining room table. Yeah, I wrote, bravo! Smoking is gross. <laughs> it is, especially inside your house. Yeah. It's, but then this... again, I'm like, it's soaking into the carpet. I know. And it soaks in the into their teeth i was a i was a smoker for a while you you met me when i was a smoker and and i've quit um but i never smoked in my house because uh i i did in college and i learned my lesson it was disgusting i'd smoked in my dorm and after that i was like nope i'm just if i'm gonna be a smoker i'm gonna smoke outside smoking's bad don't don't ever do it. Yeah, no, this is bad. No. This is bad. And no, I, I don't support I like, it. I don't support it at all. Don't don't I even smoke like it. cigars for a, for a hot minute or in cigarillos. You know those yeah. little mini cigar. Now I look back, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Your skin gets all like plastic, like like uh, pasty and shit. Well, I, I know you're a Seinfeld fan, but remember when Kramer uh, hosted the smoking party in his apartment and like he aged himself like, you know, by years and like only the matter of like two days or something. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Come on. Uh, my ex-wife was a smoker and hoofa doofa. Whose wife was a smoker? My ex-wife. Oh, okay. Your ex-wife was a smoker. She'd I go didn't know that. back and smoking. Okay. I didn't Gross. know that. <laughs> Always learning something new every episode, guys. Every episode. But so is Zach. He didn't know that I had never seen Scanners before because that was my dirty, dirty secret that I don't tell a lot of people. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how dirty your secret was compared to mine? (laughs) It's always. Yours is always worse than mine. Uh, Upstairs, the old man pours some kind of corrosive liquid uh, on her stomach wound. Well, I I think it was iodine, but it was supposed to be something else. Okay. And I was like, ooh, that's got to burn. But she's dead, so Yeah, she's dead. It doesn't matter. Uh, he then takes a fucking scalpel 
sticks it in his fucking throat and fucking slits his own throat. And we were talking about how we love that there's no music or whatever, but dude, the sound effects, like the the noises that he's making when he's doing it, fucking terrify me. Just like later with uh, when when Rolo gets attacked by all the things on his face, he's like, it's burning. And I'm like, the, what they're saying is so much fucking scarier to me, you know? Yeah, this reminds me a little bit of like, the uh knowing what the norwegians did uh in the thing yeah 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 mhm not not wanting to get infected or kill the infection stop the infection from where it is yeah and then that the one that like slit his own throat essentially yeah fuck man that takes some fucking balls of steel man i i i mean I, I for anyone's ever ever like had to i don't know uh cut a cut a splinter out yeah <laughs> and you know oh you freak out about that yeah. can you imagine no no I, I can't imagine that's that's why that's why we have cronenberg to show us yeah thanks thanks david <laughs> thanks thanks, thanks david. dc <laughs> thanks thanks uh decker uh, <laughs> uh davy nick tudor so i'll just you know guys if i say nick or nicholas it's it's nick tudor nicholas tudor um walk he walks to the elevator and he pushes up it actually took me a couple the viewings to kind of piece together sort of what was happening. This movie actually, I think rewards multiple viewings because you get a, an idea of what the story is because he really just drops you in and doesn't explain things. And the people are already going about their business. Yeah. So he pushes up on the elevator. He's not going down to go to work. Uh, the door opens and Mr. Merrick and that couple are standing there uh, in the elevator. Merrick says they're going up and Nick gets in. He says he'll take a ride as Merrick is talking to the couple about the apartments, this is the couple from earlier, from at the beginning. Nick is just like staring at the wife very, very intently with her with her drawn-on eyebrows. <laughs> Merrick and the couple get out, and Nick presses 15 on the elevator. He walks up to apartment 1511, pulls out a key from his wallet, and unlocks the door. Inside, he calls out for Annabelle. And then he finds her body on the table. And I loved his reaction, dude. He looked at it, and it you could tell it took, like, a, a second for it to sink in. And then he kind of, like, jolts backwards from the shock and then kind of yeah. covers his mouth and walks out of there. Um, but, dude, that reaction was awesome. So good. So good. Yeah. Shock. Shock. And a great shot because all you see is her leg with a little bit of blood running down it. That's all you need to show. You don't need to get all gory. Nope. Nope. And you don't need to have some blaring music. Exactly. To, to kind of sh like punctuate it. No, you sometimes no music is actually good, you know? Well, that's reality. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You walk in, you see a dead body. There's not some guy in the corner, hopefully not, going. <laughs> I can see you. Imagine. I can see. I can see you in the corner going. <laughs> How's that work? How's, how's, how's that work? work for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, shit. You, you drop a glass you know you drop a glass and it shatters and Myra's like shit can you help me get a broom or something it's shock like, this this is like a uh, a funnier die skit or something that would be it's really you know? funny yeah actually they'd like piss off the, the 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 you know the spouse or whatever can you help me out here I thought you wanted sound effects. And they're in the corner going, bang, bang. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, the wife gets in the car and the husband's like, dun, 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 dun. we're going to get groceries. <laughs> Cut to Janine. And of course, I can't ever hear the name Janine without thinking of Ghostbusters. Not I know. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, Janine, <laughs> Janine, we got one. <laughs> yeah. She, she looks like a, she looks like a combination of like Maggie Gyllenhaal and um, Mia Farrow. Like the, the kind of combination to me anyways, a little bit. So, I'm my my mind is just being blown right now because uh, I'll, again I'll probably cut something. Uh, but Zach and I were frantically trying to remember Mia Farrow's name because we both had brain farts, and so we both looked up Rosemary's Baby on IMDb. But I didn't realize second billing John Cassavetes. Is that <laughs> Nick Cassavetes' father? Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Anyways, I yeah. The Holy, legend, wow. the legend, John Cassavetes, the legendary director. Wow. That blew, you didn't know that? Wow. No, I knew, wow. I knew wow. that John Cassavetes was a director. I didn't know he was also in Rosemary's Baby, which I haven't seen probably since high school. I like that movie. I need to go back and revisit it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh man. Polanski. Oh, I know. I know. I know. It, it's, it's not, you know what? If, if I had to, if I, if I like people are like, oh, you cancel, cancel, cancel. Well, I, I understand he's not a good dude. If I had to pick one uh, Polanski film to watch, if like if someone said, okay, you can have one, you can have one, I'd say uh, Fearless Vampire Killers or Part of Me, But Your Teeth Are in My Neck. Oh, yeah. That's... If you've never seen that, oh. I, that's I've, my Christmas movie. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that talked about in in magazines like Rue Morgue and whatnot, uh, but I've never actually seen that one. So um, good. I, I personally love Chinatown. I, I'm I yeah. love that movie, but yeah, we've had many of discussions about you know cancel culture and, and yada yada yada. So we won't have to go down that road. But I, it does remind me that I do need to see the Fearless Vampire Killers. Dude, you have to. Yeah. No, you're right. It's it's been on my to do because I also know it's got some you know some sleaziness to it. It's it's fun. It's got fun sleaziness. To oh, it. it's so good, yeah. man. It's so good. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. It's got snow in it, so it's Christmas movie. <laughs> Just like the thing. Just like the thing. Yeah, Christmas movie. Cut to Janine, and she's talking to Betts in Betts' apartment. Uh, she talks about what's happening with Nick's stomach. Betts doesn't think it's anything to worry about. Probably a fatty cyst or something. It could easily be removed by a doctor. I'm like, I, I was like, yeah, yeah. Eh, this seems like Facebook. She's getting medical advice <laughs> from her friend who's not a doctor. Who says? Who says when someone's complaining about their husband's stomach or whatever they say oh it's got to be a fatty cyst no big deal i'd be like indigestion ulcer i'd be like go the doctors (laughs) go the doctors i don't know and i'm not going to pretend to know but bets is like it could easily be removed by a doctor she's wrong (laughs) and then she she has like smoke come out of her mouth when she's talking yeah she's a smoker you can tell she's got so gross everything by the way everybody's smoking smoking in this movie Um, what was the 70s right? yeah it was yeah Janine says he hates doctors, doctors and lawyers. Bets, oh, he's perfect for Facebook. <laughs> Bet says uh, she should go down to the uh, the clinic and see Doctor Saint Luke. Uh, Bet says, Bet says to explain to him that Nick is ill and ask him to come up and see him. When he's there, they can fight it out between them. Janine says he'll be mad, but Bet says so what? You can relax and find out what's wrong with him. Let him be uptight for a change. Honestly, she's not wrong. 
She's not wrong, but she she started with bad information, and then she actually, you know what? She actually recovered. Bets recovered and actually gave good advice, which is go get the the doctor. And real quick, so this Starline uh, Apartments has a doctor's clinic. It has a a, um, a a pool. It has like a restaurant. I think it's called Philippe's, yeah. um, and it has like a convenience store and a delicatessen. So it literally has everything you could possibly need. You don't have to leave, and you get the sense that Betts is like a rich socialite who doesn't leave her apartment because everything's there. There was a push, though. I think feel like in the '80s when this started happening more often, hotel apartment complex type deals yeah. where everything was in you know you never had to leave and people were like oh you know what's gonna happen you're never gonna leave and you're gonna be like and uh, you're never gonna want to venture out into the world oh. like no no it's kind of nice the convenience yeah. is nice well now you know we have the whole in LA, it's very prevalent. The, the apartment complexes with like on the bottom floor is like yeah. a, you know, maybe it could be like a, a bodega or a, or a small restaurant or a Starbucks, but they'll have like businesses on the bottom floor and you can just walk down and, and go right to whatever you want to. You know, I love that. Yeah. I always like that too. I mean, about bad. Maybe people who don't live around that are not familiar, but it's pretty dope. Yeah. One stop shop. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of what's in vogue now, which is, I guess is kind of like a, in a like a, you know, a mutation of this essentially. It morphed into yeah. the, you know, that, um, we see Nick quickly get out of the elevator in the garage and get into his car. He's like, you can tell he's obviously shook up and, and, you know, and everything from what he saw. Uh, and he drives out of the Starliner. Nick's, Nick walks into his office, and his secretary is surprised to see him. She thought he would be in tomorrow. He walks by her without saying a word and closes the door to his office. Again, and the first time I... face. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, cross-eyed. What? But again, totally the, cross-eyed. The first time I watched it, I didn't realize, that, like, yeah, when he was telling his wife, he's like, he wasn't... He was planning on fucking that chick all day long, essentially. Yeah, that... Ugh, ugh that underage schoolgirl yeah so guys and gals Ooh. there's unfortunately Ooh. some pedophilic undertones throughout this film um under undertones i mean overtones. yeah there's overtones <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody was double dipping yeah and I, I all i can say is i assume that at this age of her right now she's probably over 18 ironically they talk later about hobbs how hobbs met her when she was fucking like 12 but uh you we'll you say that. that to justify it not to justify you say it to be okay to sleep at night <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it is so wrong yeah no no it's, it's so it, all of it's wrong i mean it's, yeah no no I, yeah it's so wrong and i'm just like oh because i remember when when uh, when the doctor's first accosting her on the couch and and and, and i'm like wait uh, she's like a little girl like this is really this is risque yeah and again this is the 70s and they could they did this shit back then but you're like you just you picture this guy with his wife who's like miserable who's nothing but loving to him wants to make him breakfast and he's like no i'm gonna come by your aunt why you know it's like a total dick you know what all all the gross stuff that's going on so filthy so it's, dirty it so is sleazy so sleazy, so sleazy. <laughs> it's good stuff good stuff good stuff good stuff it's good stuff and this is wheatley he had a good his, run. his uh secretary this is wheatley she's her look on her face and she's like i don't know <laughs> she's like Whoa. Huh? she's got a great face she's got yeah a great she's facha. good she's funny 
back at the Starliner, corners are taking away Annabelle's body while Dr. St. Luke is there and Merrick is talking to the police. Uh, Merrick says, it was Dr. Hobbs who paid the rent on the apartment, but it was her name that appeared on the residency list. The detective calls Dr. St. Luke over to talk to him. By the way, I'm going to switch to Roger soon, but uh, I do love that name, Dr. St. Luke. And, oh, it, so great. and it wasn't until subtitles that I saw it was uh, L U L U C, not L-U-K-E. Yeah, Luke. Yeah. The detective asks if he was the one to find the bodies. Uh, Roger was. He said, did you touch anything? Roger says he removed the surgical tape from the girl's mouth. And the, the, the fucking detective, like, rolls his eyes at this. He clearly rolls his eyes. It's yeah. so funny. It's so funny because, uh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, I removed the tape and he did something else, right? Didn't he do like, he, something else? He examined else? The, the wound, but yeah. not for very long, you know? And so the doc, the detective's like, well, we're going to hit, we're going to call you back about this stuff. Like, basically, we'll, we'll be in touch because <laughs> that was moron. Bad. You moron. Uh, the tech detective asks if he knew the victims. Roger says he knows Dr. Hobbs. He was a professor at the university. He only saw the girl around the building. She never came to the clinic. Roger says he hasn't seen Dr. Hobbs since medical school. He was his professor. Roger didn't know Hobbs even stepped foot in the Starliner Towers until today. The detective asks what brought him upstairs to find the body then. Roger says Hobbs called him, called him at 6 in the morning. Uh, he said to meet him in apartment 1511. He hadn't heard Hobbs' voice in years and thought he was dreaming this morning. I thought that was kind of a cool little you know, yeah. side note. Um, Second, uh, first first dreaming comment of the movie. Yeah. Uh, he said at noon they were supposed to have lunch and discuss things. The phone in the apartment rings and Merrick answers it. He hands the phone to Roger and says, it's for you, someone wanting to know why you didn't turn up for lunch. Cut to our boy, Joe Silver. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. Heyo. And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Cut to a science lab, and Roger is having lunch with Dr. Linsky, and his name is Rolo Linsky. What a fucking oh, awesome name. Awesome. Love Eating it. Pickles. Pickles. Eating pickles. Oh, my baby. God. And, and sometimes, for me, people, like, hearing people eat, I can't do it over the phone. It disgusts me. Like, I have that thing where you, you can't yeah, hear people eat. But for some Same. reason, watching Joe Silver deliver his lines while still eating, I am 
mesmerized. Yeah, it's it's. I have the same thing. It it it, it it's the style of eating. Um, it's the it's the sound. It yeah. My stepdad used to, my stepdad used to eat and really breathe heavily through his nose. So it'd be like, oof, oof. It just drove me nuts. Yeah. And I was just like, I know it's a nervous thing and you blah, 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 blah. But, but I'm like, ah, it just drove me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would probably drive me, me nuts too. Um, Linsky says. But anyways, he, he eats that pickle like a champ. Fuck the champ, bro. <laughs> like a champ. Just bite on that pickle, baby. <laughs> he loves his pickle, baby. <laughs> Lindsay says. It's a Coke. Linsky says. I'll just call him Rolo. Rolo says. Yeah, Rolo. I know it's not the kind of lunch Hobbs. I know it's not the. I can't do it. I know it's not the kind of lunch Hobbs had in mind for us, but it's all I got. As they're eating, Rolo says that everything in the lab is his and Hobbs' experiment. They are trying to find an alternative to organ transplants. He says they are trying to breed a parasite that does something useful. One that can take over the functions of a human organ. So I, I'll say too, well, uh, really quick that my son, um, you know, when we did the unboxing video for this thing, and, and it's a really disturbing cover because it's like this lady falling back with parasites coming out of her mouth uh he was disturbed by it he's seven and and so fortunately it is what it is it's, it's all good like he he loves scary stuff he's totally into this but i, I know but but as as his you know as uncle Corey, i, I don't i didn't i don't want that you know i don't want me oh, to no. be the reason i that he's freaked out I, I know, no, he wasn't freaked, he wasn't too freaked out by it, but usually he's like, Ooh, I want to see more of this. What is this? You know, the curious. This one he was like, I don't want to ever see this again. And so uh I told him today, I'm like, Hey bud, uh I, I watched the movie that we're gonna be breaking down for podcasting after dark. He's like, Oh, what's it about? And so I started like explaining to him kind of what Rolo says to, you know, uh Raj mm-hmm. and and he's like, oh, cool. Like he, because if you explain it that way, it's this something with good intentions that went bad. And and Bodhi goes, oh, like like Tony Stark with Tony Stark, like Tony Stark with Ultron. Yeah. I go, yeah, ex- that's exactly what it is. That's Actually, exactly yeah. What it is. But yeah. a lot less pervy, <laughs> or yeah, or so, a lot more pervy, I should say, than that. <laughs> yeah. No, I left all that shit yeah, out. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> but uh, but he, but he, it was so cool. Like you can if you break these things down in a way that's not too creepy you know it's cool i'm like do you know what intentions are he goes yeah it's like if you want to do something and like yeah cool cool okay cool i know what cruel intentions are oh but no i'm I'm glad you did that because i'm i was afraid that this was gonna then become his dead ringers where he's like i'm never gonna watch this because i it's just gonna be like burned into my my retinas for the rest of my life you know (laughs) yeah no meanwhile we're like reading you know kids books but uh (laughs) on our wrap up after dark i will share some of the book some of the stories we're we're reading right now because they are creepy as hell there's a, a fun fact for all you listeners that have kids and learning to read and if they're into horror there's a book series called mr shivers and there's three of them with like little short tales in each one they are so good i will be talking to Corey about those on our wrap up after dark episode which you can find on our patreon it's gonna be worth it trust me yes it will be and on that episode i will also be talking about my dmt experience and that will be worth it too (laughs) (laughs) so back to this (laughs) I killed Zach. I can see his face. 
<laughs> back to I know. I'm just like, wait until you have a kid, dude. <laughs> Your whole life's a DMT experience. <laughs> <laughs> so not gonna not gonna say no to that. <laughs> so Rolo keeps going. He goes, for example, you breed a parasite that you implant in the human cavity, and it hooks into the circulation system, and it filters the blood, just like a kidney does. Look, you got a guy with a bad kidney, right? You put the parasite in him, it goes to work on the kidney and dissolves it, and the body assimilates it. Now you've got a perfectly good parasite where you used to have a rotten kidney. Roger says it's crazy, and Linsky agrees. Rollo agrees with him, but who cares? Hobbes was a bad teacher, but he was a genius for getting grants. This whole experiment is paid for by a transplant program, and it's supposed to put them out of business. Cut to Nicholas's secretary answering the phone. She tries to buzz him on the intercom, but no answer. She goes into his office and sees him standing there at his desk, like staring off into space, which I think is freaky, too, with blood sort of coming out of his mouth. Oh, super creepy. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas says he's going home and tells her to call him a cab. But didn't he drive there, though? I guess yeah. he did. I guess he doesn't want to drive, right? I guess that's it. He's not feeling well enough to drive. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's funny. There's always two ways to look at those type of things. So, like, was that a gaff or was that a was that intentional? Yeah, uh, six half or no, the six half or one dozen to the other, whatever the fuck that is. Six six is. one way, half a dozen the other. There you go. Six one way up your hoo ha, uh, <laughs> up <cavity>. your shiver. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Rolo's explanation of what that is, like. I loved it. It, it. It's cool, and it doesn't, uh, it, 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 like, it feels realistic. Yeah. Like, a doctor somewhere might have actually considered that at one point. Well, also, the way Joe Silver is just, he, I love how natural he delivers his lines, dude. I have no doubt in this movie that, that he is a, you know, a scientist. Like, I, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and, and can I also point out the fact that I love... Um, old 70s uh like professor offices yeah. where there's just like books everywhere shit everywhere, everywhere papers every it's so cluttered it's so it is so cluttered it is like every ocd clean person's nightmare mm-hmm. where you're like how many silverfish is underneath that stack of papers uh, seriously, 20, 20 20 silverfish yeah you lift it up and they scatter everywhere and uh. they turn in the dust when you touch them Ugh. God, Jesus Christ. What the fuck is a silverfish, too, by the way? It's so disgusting. I hate them. They're so gross. I remember they, we used to have them in our basement in, in, on the East Coast. I hated them. Oh, we get we get a ton of them in our com, in our complex. Ugh. So gross. I, I, well, I will... The other day, I, I heard this on the ground, and I look over, and there's a silverfish that had fallen from this, the ceiling. Jesus Christ. Well, and I, I touched it, and it went, just died instantly. It turned into <laughs> dust. <laughs> kind of look like the Joe Blasco virus thing in this movie. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, back in the lab, Roger and Rollo, and this is where things get a little dark, are talking about Hobbes' relationship with Annabelle. Rollo says she was some girl Hobbes met while lecturing at a girl's school. Jesus. This is going to get bad. They caught him examining her titties for breast cancer in the faculty lounge. Yeah, she, he, was, in, she was 12 years old. So he says titties. examining her titties. He says titties. Pause. In the faculty lounge. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and, whoa. And, and Joe Silver should never be saying titties to begin with. Yeah. Titties. And then I didn't get either. He goes, he used to bring her up here once in a while. And he kind of had this like look. It's like, well, did you know he was fucking a like a 
oh, yeah. 12 year old like what you know what i mean like what the he fuck did, rollo he calls he calls the apartment of the girl yeah so he knows who she is that creeper yeah that's that's 70s guys and gals doesn't make it right does not make it right but it is what it is roger says he has to get back to work uh but it's been great seeing him Rolo asks Roger to think about sort of joining him in his research. Roger says, sure, he'll think about it. And I love this. As Roger is leaving, Rolo says, hey, how about the pickle? And then Roger sort of throws it at him. He looks at it. He goes, it's used. Like, you didn't see it? You saw him eating it, dude. That's so gross. I know. And it's so hilarious. I love it. It's so it's funny. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Back at Starliner Tower, Nicholas is being dropped off by the cab. He walks by the security guard without saying anything to him. At the medical clinic, Janine is waiting with two other patients to see Roger, a.k.a. Dr. St. Luke. He calls her into the office. Nicholas walks up to his apartment and sits down and pours himself a whiskey. He looks sweaty and sick. Now, this is the chairs that you and I both... And also, the whiskey glass is awesome, too, dude. It's like it's so big, and it's got that weighted bottom to it. But So it's like... So he sits on this, like... It's a sofa chair thing, but it goes all the way to the ground, and it's awesome. It's 70s awesome. It's like 70s Scandinavian style, yeah. so it's like plastic. It's a plastic chair with, with obviously, uh, you know, c- cushions on the back and the, and the butt, but it, yeah, you kind of fall into it to like deep yeah and he's got one of those, yeah, baller glasses. I had a buddy of mine who had this great vintage glasses like it looks like it's got a almost like metal spray paint mm, yeah. on the outside mm-hmm. and golden a golden you know like a whiskey cup or yeah. whatever it's so cool yeah it's just like baller gear God. like you're just a stud you know sit back right by the fire or whatever and just that, pimped out dude oh. dude those whiskey glasses that's like guy porn right there i was like, I was like yeah oh, it's total yeah. guy porn yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loved it. Uh, Back in the clinic, Roger is looking over Nicholas's charts and talking to Janine. He's also drinking water. He does that for, like, I feel like he's drinking a lot in the first half of the movie, and then he doesn't anymore. And I'm not going to lie, I do not like that acting choice as much as as Rolo uh, eating a pickle. I do not like Roger drinking the water. It's annoying to me. Yeah. Because he's like takes like little sips. It's like a Dixie cup. And by the way, no one looks fucking cool drinking out of like a small ass Dixie cup. Well, and if this dude is like not necessarily a trained actor, just like a cool musician type guy, like he he does. There are moments in this film where he does need maybe a little better direction. Wait, on how wait. To- are one of those moments at the end where he pushes his giant nose up against the the glass to look at the uh, the pool, and I was like, yes. "Oh, that's not a good look for a guy. Don't do that." <laughs> no, yeah, that that is one of a few scenes where you're like, "Dude, but, okay." But boy, oh boy, is his hair amazing! His hair with those mutton chop yeah. sideburns, uh, dude, so uh, good. He doesn't see anything out of the ordinary from last year's physical, like nothing that would imply that he would get a cancer this fast. Uh, He he doesn't think it's cancer, maybe swollen glands. Uh, He says he can come up and take a look, but it won't be until 930 or 10. Janine seems relieved and leaves the clinic. But I'm like, Jesus Christ. And even later, they talk about having dinner afterwards. I'm like... Man, this must be like fucking some kind of European shit where people have like siestas and they, you know, they like the offices open until like ten o'clock and shit. I, I don't know. Again, I, I, I had a my buddy who had the cool cups and shit like that. 
yeah he's like hey come over for dinner i'm like okay well, what time eight and he's like like 11 i go what 11 o'clock <laughs> what? i'm a teacher man i gotta yeah okay fine 10 10 30 and like, not gonna lie <laughs> even like when i would like back in the day when like being up to like two in the morning was like my regular thing i still yeah. ate dinner at a normal time i didn't eat I dinner know, at like man. 10 o'clock dude your body doesn't metabolize yeah. past a certain yeah. hour so don't do that to yourself no it's insane Upstairs, as Nicholas is drinking his whiskey out of his awesome glass, he violently falls over and starts gagging. He goes to the bathroom and pukes in the tub. I was like, dude, not the tub. Yeah, what the well, fuck is – that's a weird choice. Not, well, I, I, but, you know, when you rewatch it, I think that was on purpose so that the creature could, you know, go down the drain. But when, when you're first watching, you're like, well, shit, don't puke in the tub, dude. Makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was the, the, the parasite kind of forcing him where to go, you know. Yep, no, that that totally makes sense. He leans back and he sees blood coming out of his mouth. Uh, he leaves the bathroom and the camera focuses on the tub. There's a bl- there's blood, but also a trail going down the drain. Nicholas walks out on the balcony and leans over it, and then also vomits again. Down below, two old <laughs> so ladies. So great, I know. Two old ladies are walking. One has a clear umbrella, and the bloody vomit hits her umbrella. It's this. This is wild, guys. Uh, the two ladies think it's a bird that probably hit the building and then kind of you know fell or whatever and died Brilliant. on her umbrella. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I, I was laughing my ass off this whole time because I'm like. He's like sitting over. He sees them, yeah. But he's like so. He, he he's like not in his head. It, you know, whatever the 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 virus is yeah. taking, species is taking over his body, his brain too, probably. Yeah. Oh, ho- totally, totally. Yes. And uh, he doesn't give a shit. He no. Doesn't even know. You no. Oh no, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think he launched it at them on purpose. Yes. So we see the red parasite crawl through the grass. Uh, we do actually see the string that it's on. Cronenberg had commented that because I think someone asked him about like, you know, he's like, I wish we had CGI back then. We, You know, we, you wouldn't see that string do some better stuff. He's like, but I don't want to do what George Lucas did and, and go back and fix it. He's like, it's just the movie just it's just going to live in it the time that it was made and faults and all. And I was like. God damn it, Cronenberg, I love you so much. It's like, just, that's awesome. Just let it live. Just let it live and be what it is at the time that it was made. You know, it reminds me of what I said to my kids when I was running the summer camp, uh, the Greek mythology summer camp. I'm like, look, guys, who has an imagination here? You know, half the hands go up. I'm like, I choose to use my imagination. I like using my imagination. I, I know when things are not real, but I choose to believe that they are. So I see a scene like that, and I'm like, yeah, I see the string, and that's silly. This thing looks like it's terrible looking. It is what it is. But I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Just have fun. Yeah. Have fun. It makes it so much more enjoyable if you just let it go. Yeah. No, I, I'm picking I'm it apart. And, and if anything, if anything, it's a testimony to how good the 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 transfer is on this Blu-ray that you can see that that tiny string. I guarantee you probably couldn't see that shit on VHS back in the day at all. Yeah. Agreed. Now, here's what's wild. One of the old ladies wipes the fucking blood off of the umbrella and then just throws her napkins on the ground in the trash. Like, just her trashy napkins, she just throws them in the grass, like, just right there. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, watch that. I was yeah. like, you know, and we know we, we live in a world where we see signs everywhere that says no littering and this and that. And I was like, you know what? I guarantee, I bet you this was actually very true back in the day where people would just throw shit just on the ground. And now we have to like tell people not to fucking litter, you know? Well, it's why we have to have laws to, yeah. you know, 
Meanwhile, people do it all the time. Actually, it, it really pushes my buttons because someone did it in plain sight the other day right by a cop and the cop didn't do anything. And I love, I love police officers. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, hello, like, are you going to say something to that person? No. Like, no. No. Hello? No. no, no, no. <laughs> Come on. Like, dude. Yeah. You know, I, oh. Yeah. This fucking, you know, and then you've got, then you've got a kid and you're trying to teach them why it's important not to do these things. And then you see adults do it and they're like, that person's not a good person. Like, nope, they're not. Nope. They're not. Some, you I, know, I, sometimes I, people just aren't good people. No. They're not. Yeah. It sucks. It, it, I mean, it does. And you shouldn't litter. I I, I don't do it. And I don't Those spit my, I don't spit my gum like, on the ground. Fuck you, old lady. Yeah, fuck you. You just threw that shit on the ground? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, she's, she's a piece uh, of on. shit. She's a piece yeah, of shit. I'm going to die soon, so who cares? So who cares okay. about the world? <laughs> All right. Sure. sure. Uh, we do see like a blood trail go like into a drain in the ground. So we know that kind of yeah. went that way. Nasty. <laughs> At the clinic, Nurse Forsyth calls an old man to the doctor's office and tells him to take off his shirt. The old man's well. Hold on, I gotta back you up for a second yeah, there yeah, because yeah. because that old that old fuck that old perv right before he he gets called into the office, he's like talking to this lady about the fountain of youth or like the the science behind living longer. And I'm, I wrote him down. I'm, his name's Brad. Brad, yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm like, oh, Brad loves his ladies. He does. Because this this guy, this guy is the epitome. How many of us know old dudes like this? Old single dudes who just are like, they still got that virile energy going on, and they're gonna give it to the ladies. He's, he's oh, he's such a fun sweet old man. <laughs> yeah, no, that old man that just talked to you, he's gonna go home and jerk off about you probably. Well, and he also did fuck Annabelle, so. <laughs> Yeah, he's a gross dude with his gross <laughs> chest hair. His old man gross. chest hair. <laughs> By the way, I watched X-Men recently, not that long ago, uh, the original uh, the like X-Men movie. The very first one? The first one, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Bodhi wanted to watch the – we're on like a Marvel kick right now. And the scene where Professor X is laying down on the – Patrick Stewart, who I love, he's laying down on the um, operating table, you know, after yeah. he's been like – passed out or whatever and his his tuft of his chest hair is like three inches from the the chest going up it's like oh, three yeah. inches long chest hair i'm just like oh that old ass chest hair old man chest hair dude yeah yes. dude. <laughs> anyways yeah brad is like giving the business to this lady outside oh, 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 and then he goes inside and, and then he goes inside and gives the business he tries to give the business to uh nurse forsyth and mm-hmm. she's like oh you know i'll i'll leave and he's like oh you don't have to and i said oh my, my note is cute old man sexual harassment <laughs> yes <laughs> he's sexually oh it's harassing. so sweet yeah it's so sweet um we see an old lady doing laundry in the laundry room. Oh, do you want to talk about her washing her hands for five seconds or less? Who? Which one? <laughs> the old, the, the, le- the lady in the laundry room. <laughs> no, I didn't. It happened that. so fast. You probably missed it. Yeah. Like she, she grabs soap and, and, and lathers up her hands and sticks her hands under the faucet for like not even five seconds or less. <laughs> and I'm like, Bitch, say the ABCs. <laughs> I, I didn't notice that. I was probably thinking. Sing was happy taking, birthday. I think I was taking notes. <laughs> oh, no, you blink and you miss it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you're she... gross. And then when, when she pulls the detergent out of her bra. Like, yeah. Oh, 
yeah. hot. And, and, but I did notice behind her we saw a blood trail coming down like the oh, vent or something. So you know? gross! I know, dude, so dirty and it's, gross. So as Zach says, she loads up her laundry and you know does that. <laughs> then she looks in the next machine, sees the blood trail going up, and she's like, "Oh, that's gross!" And then opens the lid, and the parasite jumps on her face, and she's like, starts screaming as she falls to the ground. I was like, "Good." Her dirty feet, her dirty feet falling she, out of her dirty ass slippers. She does not look like she has the financial financial uh well-being oh. to be living in the starliner uh, apartments but you know she maybe probably... that was just her 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 monday morning attire doing laundry i guess i don't know well she's pulling detergent out of her bra brazier she's probably got ricotta cheese growing out oh. of hey i'm just going with the theme in the movie yeah it's gonna get grosser and grosser <laughs> it, is, it is it is keep it coming <laughs> it baby keep it coming <laughs> Back in the doctor's office, Roger is examining the old man's stomach. When Roger put, pushes on it, uh, he cries out in pain. As yeah, he goes, he goes, oh, easy there. <laughs> as he's examining, the man says, uh, "So you." As he's examining the man, he says, "You got these lumps from a young lady." Brad, the man, uh, said she had some lumps around her belly button. Uh, he could push them around. He thought it was sexy. I was like, Gross. I know. Oh. I was like, why is that? Why do you say that? Uh, uh, he's, oh. He says she lives in Starliner Towers, apartment 1511. So he was fucking Annabelle. He, he says, well, he also says her name is Annabelle. Um, Where's her parents, by the way? She doesn't have any. She's, I do. All right. There's stuff later that is very – I'm not going to defend, and and I'm not going to defend what Rolo says Hobbs did earlier, but I do feel like she was probably old, older – she was probably 18 now when she's living now, but I do think Hobbs has been fucking her since she was 12. You oh, know what I mean? I'll, I'll, add, I'll add on to that. I think all the creepy old dudes have been paying her rent so they can keep her there and use her. Well, I mean, they do say that Hobbs' name was on the rent, but I do think you're right. All the creepy old. She clearly has a. Th- oh wow, you're right. She actually, she clearly has a thing for old men because all the people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's Ugh. basically the 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 sex toy of the Ugh. fucking apartment. Yeah, it's guys. It's wild. Um, oh god he tells the man to get dressed and then i, I didn't know what to say this so i goes he i go he writes him a prescription for an x-ray i, I didn't know what else to s- call that or i say. don't know yeah who knows and who cares i mean <laughs> you guys like, a, i don't know brad brad just go die go die with your weird lumps in your belly Ooh. <laughs> your, your weird erotic lumps <laughs> yeah with that weird like coarse chest hair it's all curled all, up all brad's lumps bring all the boys to the yard <laughs> <laughs> his lovely oh, his lovely lady humps i don't know uh, i remember you know I'm, yeah I, everyone knows i'm a big wrestling fan and um the one of my favorite tag teams villain tag teams with the fabulous Freebirds, and the lead one of the the main guy the the most famous was uh, michael p.s hayes p.s stand for purely sexy hmm. and he I, I have a wrestling book to this day i still have it like a close-up shot of michael p.s hayes looking all gnarly and his chest hair Basically looks like his pubes from his crotch just grew up to his chest. Like that curly chest. It's so gross. Ugh, dude, you and I are both not a big fan of dude chest hair or dude back hair. And if it's going to be splotchy, and I'll call one out later, if it's going to like, if you're going to have like weird, <laughs> yes. like little, like, like a little splotch on your, on your, on your Sheep like shoulder it. blade, but not on the whole back. 
back or it's like it's on on your neck but it's not all over we'll just shave it just just get rid of it all you know what i mean and it, we talk about we talk about that all the time and yeah. and guys <laughs> never groom nothing above their beard or below their fucking neck until like the mid 90s you know yep and and mad props to people to this day who rock that look and they're confident about it good on you like that's but that's not me that's not how yeah, i roll not me me neither me you and i are both not we're not bears we're definitely not nope. bears <laughs> we are we are, we are. I, I, i'm sure there's a term for us but i don't know what I think it's it is. called an otter i think it's called okay. an otter okay okay all right <laughs> moving on <laughs> Cut. Oh, cut to hey, this is uh, Kristen said ahead of, ahead of time. She's like, "Is this a Corey pick?" I'm like, "Yep, yep, yep." Sleazy C, baby. <laughs> cut to Janine buying a magazine in the convenience store downstairs. Uh, she then goes up to Betts's apartment and tells her uh, Roger is going to see Nicholas tonight at 10 p.m. Betts asks her to stop by after for dinner. This is what kind of sparked my like, what? <laughs> like 11 o'clock dinner? Uh, yeah. She goes, she hates to eat alone. It makes her feel fat and lonely. Uh, and she says she's going to order something from uh, uh, Philippe's. Philippe's, uh, yeah. yeah. Janine agrees and leaves and go, sort of goes back to her apartment. As Janine enters her apartment, she sees it's pitch black inside, but the refrigerator door is open. She finds Nick collapsed on the kitchen floor. She wipes the blood off of his mouth, helps him to bed. And doesn't call a doctor. No, no, no. Well, she knows he's coming. I, I'll, You know what? I'll give it that. She knows he's coming probably in a it's few It's an emergency. Well, and you know what? At this point, it's probably midday, and he's not coming till like 10 o'clock yet. It's an yeah. emergency. If you're passed on the floor, it's an emergency. If, if you were on the floor and Myra came home and wiped blood off your face and didn't call the doctor, you'd be like, why aren't you calling the doctor? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> As they walk past the front door, we see a blood trail going up the door and out the mail slot. Ugh. In the hallway, Ugh. we see the two best kid actors ever, and that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> they're opening mail slots and yelling hello. Okay. They're kind of doing a ding-dong ditch thing. Uh, they they see the parasite coming out of the two-doors uh, apartment door, and they scream and run away. What I'm not telling you is... You have to listen to the dialogue because the girl's like, oh, it's disgusting. Like she says like something like it's grotesque or something like that. But clearly not what like a girl that age would say or something. It's it's funny. Yeah. It's weird. It, it, it is weird. Uh, the, the boy, the little the boy is funny. Yeah, he's uh, he's fine. They're not they're not the two best kids in this movie. The, the, we get the other ones later. Yeah, the dogs. <laughs> you mean the dogs? <laughs> yeah, the dog. <laughs> the, the dog kids. Good God. Oh my God. Yeah, guys, this one this is gonna be a rough one. Um, <laughs> cut to roll. Here we go. Cut to Rolo standing in the in his lab and he's eating. And the and when I was watching this, uh, uh, I was like, why is this like even seen? Like, why is it even in? He's just standing in the lab by the fridge and eating. But I think I know why. Behind him. There's yes. a, a sign on the refrigerator that says, yes. sex is the invention of a clever venereal disease. Yes. And I was like, oh. So, I mean, honestly, like, it was my fourth viewing when I was tracking everything because uh, before it, I, I watched it for fun. And even then, I was like, what is the point of this scene? And then when I'm tracking it, you know, I paused it. So, I'm just kind of taking down a note and I look up and I see what's behind him. And I'm like, that's it. That's literally guys and gals almost every movie has a thesis and it's buried in the film like almost like a sentence that kind of like is is the, the thesis for the entire film 
This and, is obvious. And this is it. This is his fucking thesis for yeah. the entire movie is that sex is the invention of a clever venereal disease. If Cronenberg is not, if he does not have a sense of humor, then what happened to him as a kid <laughs> to make him want to do these movies now, you know? Yeah, I don't actually know anything about his past. <clears throat> um, and watching the behind, uh, other than watching the behind the scenes on this uh, for this episode, I know old Cronenberg. I know white haired Cronenberg. I know um, Cronenberg from uh, Nightbreed, but I do not know 1975 Cronenberg. But looking at pictures from this, he was a good looking dude. He had a good head of hair, and he was a good looking guy. So man, I, I don't know, man, but clearly he's a pervert. Yeah, clearly. And th- and and to go back to your your questioning of why this scene was in the movie, obviously that is, but also to um to know that Rolo likes Coke and pickles I, I together. Was, I was going to say also to show us more Rolo eating pickles. And you know what? I could watch that dude eat pickles all day long and there's nothing sexual about it. <laughs> no, but but I will say Coke and pickles prop quite Coke and pickles, probably one of the grossest combinations next to uh, Junior Mints and orange juice. Oof, oof, yeah, dude. No, man. And he's got that, he's got the old Coke where you have to like yeah. pop the top off of it and everything. Yeah. And he's sitting there like he's enjoying both of those things as if they were the best thing ever combined. If he dipped the pickle into the Coke, that would have made the scene that much better. <laughs> it would have. And actually, I will point out too uh, what, 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 if you've never seen this movie, there's not a lot of dialogue through this movie. No. In fact, there's a lot of scenes that that are that have are quiet, uh, and, and which is really cool. By the way, mm-hmm. I miss that. Yeah. I, I th- sometimes I think there's too much dialogue in movies, um, but yeah, this movie moves along in a really swift pace with scenes that just kind of are very silent. So yeah, I mean, there you go. Honestly, we're at an hour and a half right now. We're probably about almost halfway through the film, and it gets even faster as we move along. So, yeah, I mean, and I took like I took like 14, 15 pages of notes, but you know, I just wanted to make sure I got everything right. But I didn't quote like a lot of dialogue in this, you know. And you don't need to. No, um, I, but I wanted to make sure I got the I got the explanations that Rolo gave, you know, and everything of of the creature and whatnot. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's 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 interesting that this movie has it's very minimal. Yeah, it's very minimal. And I like that way. shit. I like that shit. Yeah, me too. Uh, Janine walks into her bathroom and tries to clean the blood off of the toilet in the tub, and then pops some aspirins and, and cries I mean, it on dr- the toilet. Drives me nuts. It drives me. She she her character actually really drives me nuts. Not the pull of Dustin, but uh, from Two Dollar Lady. <clears throat> but she drives me nuts. Like she her her. You would have tapped out long before this guy had gotten to this point. Yeah, you know? I'll tell you like, the fuck this guy. I'll tell you the point where that drives me nuts later is when she's crying trying to put her contacts in, and I was like, "Girl, just just go, just go, girl." And I'm like, done. "That oh, that was a great excuse to get out of the room." Yeah, yeah. But it was a real. She wasn't an excuse. It was a real like she was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay, okay. Sorry. Back in the bedroom, this is the best part, Nick's looking at his stomach and he's going, come on, boy. Come on, fella. And then the lump in his stomach starts moving. Oh. And it's cool. I mean, by the way. It's awesome. This is it's a awesome. good effect. Cause it's like he's, you can't tell where the fake 
body is and where he is yep. and everything. And, and it, they even got a good job on like putting his hair on the fake body and everything. Yep. So it was really good. And it's a good effect of seeing like his stomach bulge move and it's sold by the actor. Again, he does a great, he's so expressive when it comes to like the pain and stuff. So he's like, Oh, yep. but it's, but it's, and you know, because we know Cronenberg, you know, he was directing him saying like, it's, it's, it's pleasurable, but it's also painful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, dude, I, I am 100% invested. Like I'm fully in the, in his moment and in, in this story right now. Me too. Me too. And I love how uh, Janine comes in. She's like, did you call me? And he's like, no. Well, and it's cool because as he's playing with it and he's like, he's like, you and I are going to be good friends. And she comes in and it, it immediately like goes down. Like, you know, yep. like it's sentient. It knows, you know what I mean? I like that a lot, but you're right. He's she comes in. Dick. She's like, are you talking to me? Um, and that's when his lumps kind of like go down to normal, you know, uh, Janine asks if, uh, uh, you know, if you're talk- yeah, I just said that. Uh, Nicholas just sort of lays there without saying anything. She she asks if she she goes she goes she asks if she can feel the lumps on his tummy. Like, I don't understand David Cronenberg's writing sometimes because she says the lumps on your tummy, and he said titties earlier, and I'm like Cronenberg. Well, we're, we're- you have the you have the mind of a child. <laughs> I mean, this is a dude in Videodrome who like you know. Uh- uh, the the gun gets attached to James Wood's hand, yeah. you know, and like he's so perverted, he's so bizarre. That's what makes this movie so good, though. Yeah, because it's like you're watching, you're going, "This is so weird," yes. but it ne- at no point do you go like, "Oh, I'm turning this off." No, it's bad. It's captivating. Yeah, it's, it's captivating. Th- oh, dude, that is the best word you could possibly say. It's completely captivating, and you want to know what's coming next. And that is from somebody who's watched it four times in the past year. Even when I'm watching, I'm like, I just can't look away. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, it's <laughs> train wreck. Yeah, it's like Crash. It's like the movie Crash. Oh. I think it's I think it's better than Crash. Oh, um, it's way better than Crash. Yeah, don't give me. That. I love people. Like, oh, it's so good. No, okay, I didn't. It's not love for me. Crash. No. Uh, Janine leaves the room crying, and Nicholas goes back to looking at his stomach lumps. Poor Janine. But again, Janine, like, get the, what just the get fuck? the fuck out. I know. Yeah. Cut to Bets getting ready to take a bath in her apartment. <laughs> She she pours a glass of wine while listening to the radio talk about the murder of Annabelle in the apartment complex. Yeah, this is a hilarious scene because it's a very graphic news report of the of the the whole murder that took place. And she's pouring her wine. She's getting ready to take a nice, comfortable bath. And you're like, yo, you're listening to what? Like, I get it, though. I would go to bed at night watching Fright Night. You know, it was my bedtime movie. Like people would go, like, "What is wrong with you? What? That's your bedtime movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I would fall asleep to." Some people are not phased by this shit. No. But then again, that's a true. Like she's listening to something that happened in her complex, and she's totally oblivious to it. Or she's just drunk, and she's like, "I don't care." She's drunk, and she's single, and she's lonely, and she's a lesbian who wants to hook up with a woman that wants. You know, is married, so yeah, there you go. Oh, bets. Unrequited, unrequited love or whatever. Unrequited love. Um, yeah, no, you think you're right. I think you're right. Yep. Downstairs in the clinic, Nurse Forsyth gives Roger the files on all the men, all the men he's been seeing with the abdominal problems. Plus, she found Gross. a <laughs> plus she found a journal by Hobbs for him. She's a great nurse, as well She's as medical reports. Before he arrived at Starline Towers. Like, she she's is awesome. a fantastic nurse. 
She's great. She's great, and she's in love with him. Yeah, and he's not and, in love with her yeah. at all. Does maybe Cronenberg's got a thing too with like women? Like, I don't know, dude. Think about that. Like every woman in this movie kind of gets just like pushed aside by all the men. The men just could give two shits about the women in this movie. And, and the women are kind of there to just sort of service the men, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean... Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say to that. You're, you're not wrong. I didn't think about it until this moment, and you, you're hearing my brain, like, turning, and I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't uh, think you're wrong. Yeah, I wrote that down. I wrote, dudes uninterested in chicks. That's what I wrote. And, and I mean, it, this scene kind of goes on. She then says, and now how about a kiss? But Roger doesn't even <laughs> fucking, like, notice. And, like, guys and gals, I, you know, huh? just, yeah, what? just she's stunning. She is stunning. She's so interesting looking. Yeah, she's, she's so interesting very looking, unique yeah. looking. She's very unique looking, very beautiful. Uh, he's too busy reading. Uh, she gets kind of gets his attention. He's like, oh, okay, and kind of sticks his fucking cheek out. And she gives him kind of like multiple kisses, you know, on his cheek and everything. Yeah, she's like, how about another kiss? Yeah, and she's like, oh, it's the best thing I heard all day. And But uh, he's clearly distracted. The phone rings, and it's Rolo on the other line. Roger starts to talk to him about his research with Hobbes as Forsyth kind of walks away disappointed. Rolo tells Roger he didn't know Hobbes at all. He's looking through his notes after his death, and he says, Hobbes was shafting us all. Me, the university, the foundation, everybody. Hobbes believed that man is an animal that thinks too much, an over-rational animal that's lost touch with his body and its instincts. In other words, too much brain and not enough guts. As Rollo is telling this to Roger, Nurse Forsyth is changing in front of him, and he can't take his eyes off of her. And again, she is st- Stunning. Now, uh, I believe Cronenberg wanted full nudity here, but she was like, we don't need full nudity, guys. And they're they're right. They, come on. At some point, it's exploitation. We don't need full nudity here. Just topless is fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I would have said she could have a bra on, dude. It's like she didn't need to go topless. She did not need to go topless. And to be honest with you, I would have preferred if she did have a bra on, but that's just me. But uh... <laughs> You're not but, Sleazy Z. I'm Sleazy C, baby. She didn't, need to, she, didn't mean, she didn't need to be nude in this scene to get him to be aroused, like to show that he was – because he's like looking at her, but he's like on the phone listening to his dude, his boy. Yeah. And, you know, come on. She's clearly like inviting him. She is. I'm not yeah, that. Yeah. Don't take and, that and, the wrong way. Listeners. No, I, and, like, and my note is my note right here was when she was doing it. I go, dude, nurse Forsyth is thirsty for fucking Roger, man. Yeah. She's, she wants to get the shiv on. And, she uh, does. and, and, and meanwhile, cut when you cut back to Rolo on the phone, that creepy ass eel or whatever yeah, it is in his right tank by, is moving around oh it's like a it's like a water worm or something and it, what and, is that and then it breaches the water up top like looking for food and i just want to i want to vomit on it i want to like open the lid and just vomit on it because i hate ugh, i don't like fucking like tapeworms or some shit like that that thing is fucking gross you're right yeah when i you noticed hear the story too. oh so gross oh. 
Huh. Yeah, when I think about the stories, uh, watching the news footage of like, you know, weird uh, parasites in lakes, oh, oh. you know. So so ever since I was a kid, right, yeah. my biggest fear, because I when I'd heard that, you know, back in the day when you had a tapeworm, what they would do to get rid of it was yeah. um, oh. basically you, you they starve the person and then they kind of held out something sweet in front of their mouth, like fruit or something like that. And the creature will actually, the, the worm will crawl out and then you can like basically pull it out. But it's like, you know, like. Like, like 12 inches long or something like, like the thought of that I learned that as a kid and just the the thought of that happening I would just die I would just give up the ghost right there oh did, did you ever know anybody that had pinworms no I've never I don't know anybody's I never know anybody had worms or nothing no. I just had a friend who's like her kid had pinworms and she's like yeah you put a piece of tape over their butt and the, the worms get stuck to the tape, and you pull the, you know, uh, pull the tape back, and there's worms all over the tape moving around. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I hate that shit, man. That shit <laughs> hey, you chose this movie, dude. I, you I chose know. it. I know, man. That fucking shit freaks me out, man. I hate uh, that shit. This whole thing, man. It's so <laughs> gross. And their gross carpet. Oh, yeah. Okay. But the real, the real monster here is the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It is because it lives forever. It does. You're right. It does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. So Rolo goes on to say, so what he came up with to help our guts was a parasite that is a combination of aphrodisiac and venereal disease that will hopefully turn the world into a beautiful, mindless orgy. So I think those were, you know, Hobbes's words. And he keeps talking. The important thing to you, Roger, is this. He was using Annabelle as a guinea pig. He implanted her with the parasite, and when it, and when it took over, she went berserk. I guess Hobbes wasn't ready for that, so he had to kill her. The point is, he wasn't trying to burn her. He was trying to burn the things, all of them. And that's when you're like, oh, okay, it, it's cool. I love shit like this where you see the opening of the movie and you think one thing and then you learn out, like learn what the real reasoning behind it and then it changes the entire light of it, you know, of, of the act yeah. at the beginning. You're like, oh, that's okay, I get it. Roger said he didn't succeed. Annabelle was a pretty popular girl around Starliner Towers. He has three or four men in here hosting large, free-roaming, pathogenic abdominal growths. Rolo says he'd like to come over and look at some of the patients. Roger says to meet him at Tudor's apartment soon, and Rolo agrees. Rolo says, I don't want to panic you, but the way Hobbes designed these things... They get out of hand pretty fast. If you see anyone doing anything impulsive, you got to get at them first. Maybe we can do something for them. And what I like here is they, they kind of don't sort of go into it, but I like that there's, that there's a little bit of a bait and switch that uh, Nurse Forsyth is being really aggressively sexual, and you're like, is that the parasite or is that, you know, her? But I feel like that's a thread they didn't really sort of lean into, you know? Yeah, agreed, because uh, they have a weird dynamic. Yeah. As, as, as we'll continue to evolve as this movie goes forward, like where you go, wait, what's the relationship here and and is is he really into her or like is he just i don't know yeah yeah he's he's not into her he just probably enjoys having sex with her but uh or he just like in one step free dinner but um (laughs) cut to uh yeah fucking pot roast she makes a damn pot roast i'm like 
For two people? <laughs> you know, like later, she's like, oh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> cut to, oh, so cut back to Bets. Uh, she's relaxing in her tub, drinking her wine. Uh, she doesn't notice the parasite coming out of the, the drain. Now, I will say, when it pops out the drain top tube, you think the water would immediately start going down. But we, we just got to, you know, go past that. No big deal. Or it's clogged. I think I'm like, well, I thought the same thing too. I'm like, it's clogged. It's clogged up with other other parasites. Uh, yeah, other parasites. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll buy that. Um, yeah. She's kind of washing herself and everything, and uh, her legs are open, and you kind of see it sort of shoot in between her legs, and, and it attacks her. You see blood in the water and everything like that, and she knocks over the glass and it breaks on the floor. Now, James Gunn has gone on record to say that the uh, bathtub scene in Slither was a was an homage to Shivers because, I mean, Slither as a whole was an homage to, to Shivers and specifically the bathtub scene. I like Slither. Personally, I think it's a good movie. Um, yeah. But if I had to watch one of the two or if I had to recommend one of the two to people, I think this is a much more interesting film. Um, but I do like that that James Gunn is open about the homage in that movie opened in it's got to be night of the creeps as well right another movie i've never seen so how dare you exclamation point this is this is a very enlightening night guys this is a very controversial evening (laughs) on so many levels so many levels wow in the clinic roger is telling nurse forsyth he's going to meet with rollo in mr tudor's apartment she asks him to come by her place after he's done. She says she'll keep dinner warm for him. She doesn't seem to care how late it is. And this is where I wrote, she's thirsty. He agrees and, right. gives, and gives her a solid hit on the shoulder like they're old pals. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, poor, poor nurse foresight. And she's like a buck ten soaking wet. So, like, you could, she moves. And, you know, I don't think he, he wasn't trying to hit her that hard, but, like, she definitely, like, moves from it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's sad. It is funny when you see, like, people uh, acting, either it's their first time or they're really not a professional actor and they're just kind of giving it an old college try. You can tell, like, he's not a polished actor. He's not that great of an actor. He's just unique. He, he has his charm. He's very charming. He so is. that's what make, that's how he gets away with a lot of like maybe the, the choices he makes in this. It's a really silly scene. And I just was thinking back when he, when she's like, yeah, come over whenever you want. And what she does. And like, we've all been down that road uh, where we've been either the recipient of, or, 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 or the other side where like someone's really into you or you're really into them. And you're trying so hard to please them and they just don't give you shit. Yeah. Or it's the other way around. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, it's really, <laughs> you feel bad for her, yeah. you know, but then, but because you don't always see the writing on the wall. Sometimes it's like, yeah, but maybe, maybe if I do this, they'll come around. Or maybe if I do that, they'll come around. No, if, if you have to do so much work to get them, then you shouldn't be with them. No, that's it, advice from us. It should be natural and it should be easy. You know, <clears throat> That doesn't mean that they're easy. I'm just saying it should be easy like the connection. No, it should be. It shouldn't shouldn't take that much effort. If it's taking that much effort, <laughs> then. And this goes along with the movie because, you know, it's. It's like the lot of like the, the way Janine's treated. It's like, yo, it's just not OK. Yeah. Don't be in relationships like that. If you're in a relationship like relationship like that, call us. We'll help you get out. <laughs> 
I like how we're evolving from a cult movie podcast to like helping people get out of bad relationships. Dude, we could we could run we could run a whole sub show on <laughs> a Patreon <bad> relationships, and <laughs> yes. you and I have had our have had our share, and that's for damn sure. Yes, we can help. Yes. Everyone, just give us a call. <laughs> just, yeah, hit us up. We can help you guys. Uh, upstairs, no one can help Bets. She gets nope. out of the bathtub, and as she does, she kind of steps on the broken glass. Uh, and oh, doesn't that, seem that's mine. very cool yeah. scene, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you know it's like the sugar glass or whatever, but it's still hard to watch, man. It is still hard it to is watch. Hard to wa- it is hard to watch, and, and two things happen. So first of all, really quick, I meant to meant to say when, when uh, the vi- when the thing goes up inside her uh it's a it's a classy scene because yeah. they they should they, sh- they the way it's shot um and then when she steps on the glass she she lifts her foot up and you hear one of the pieces fall on off her foot and i don't know if that was uh you know adr or wet but the sound it sounds like a real piece of glass hitting the tile and you see just hints of blood on the ground where after she steps away like Either they had blood on her foot already to make it look like that, but it's if it's effective enough where you're like, oh shit, that was ugh, it feels it's, painful. It's funny you bring that up because I literally thought the same thing. The the one piece that kind of gets stuck to her foot, and when it hits the yeah. ground, it makes like a real glass sound. I, I'm fairly certain that was just ADR, but again, like literally, we're looking at I don't know, man, like 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 15 seconds, 20 seconds of film footage right here, but it's Max, very. Yeah very well done and honestly this is like a microcosm like uh, of an example of why david cronenberg's fucking awesome like in this low budget film you can you can pull you can break this little 20 second scene apart and be like this is why he's fucking amazing like everything yep. like it just it works you know yeah totally it's with great a, with a low budget and everything uh but guys and gals i hate to mention this right now but the the backstory on this is very interesting because it was funded by like the Canadian film uh, some like government Canadian film thing and you know, there was all kinds of controversy after it came out and whatnot because uh, this guy wrote this like like scathing review but he also said like this is where your basically your tax dollars are going to and it actually kind of put uh, David Cronenberg in a bad spot like he had a hard time finding funding after this even though. This movie was technically a success financially, and he actually, he's like, we actually paid, like, they made more on it, like, meaning, like, it was a success, meaning, like, yeah, it, he, the guy says, like, this is what your tax dollars paid for, but he's like, but I turned a profit, but of course he doesn't say that in the fucking uh, uh, review, but you yeah. should, I'll just say, if you pick up the Blu-ray, and again, there's no reason you should, shouldn't. There's no reason you shouldn't because it's like fucking $10 or less on, on Amazon. But the, the documentary he talks about that and everything, you should really watch it. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happened with this film and in, in the, like the Canadian film Institute or something like that. Well, they, they've got their own set of rules up there and, yeah. and, and you know what, what they consider their own MPAA basically that, that is, you know, for better or worse. Uh, what they consider taboo, it's not on par with like the UK with what they considered, you know, their video nasties yeah, yeah. type stuff. But yeah, come on, man, it's like I don't know. There's movies you look back on now that are mainstream movies. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you look at it and you're like, yeah, that was not okay. <laughs> and then and then you know you take like 
low budge movies like this, and you're like, come on, it's a commentary. Yeah. There, there, there's a method to his madness. Just, just go deep. I, I also too like critics. Critics love to pan horror films up and down. Yeah. They just do. It's just easy. It's easy for it's them. It's easy fodder. To, it's low hanging yeah. fruit. Yeah, but if you just dig a little bit deeper, there, there's so much more going on to this movie than exploitation and pedophilia. No, you the, know, it's it's so much more than that. This it's, movie's it's a, all commentary, man. This movie's all, all kinds of commentary, and yeah, yeah and and I, I and I love the fact that <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that David Cronenberg does not shy away from dealing with subjects that that are are tough to deal with, and uh, yeah. Yeah, of you know all else? of all the things oh. for someone to like shit on horror wise, don't shit on a Cronenberg film because he's got shit to say in there, you know. Yeah, no, don't don't shit on a Cronenberg film. However, I will shit on the unless it's the, Crash. The, you can shit on Crash. You shit on Crash, and you can shit on the guy from Philippe's uh, moving the uh, food cart over the threshold of a door. Oh god, yeah, we're about to get there in the lobby. A waiter is delivering food. It's like on a, a tray. It's from Philippe's restaurant in the building, but I guess he's got to come in through the front door. Uh, the the security guard kind of opens the door for him and everything, and yeah, he has to wheel the tray over the little hump of the door and you know the actor like everything was ready to go everything's good to go and then you can tell they didn't prep that like meaning like nope. he was like oh and he kind of has to like do it like very slowly and nicely and he's like he's wearing like a tuxedo or like a nice suit and like he yeah. lights the little flame thing under the the food to keep it warm and everything's great but yeah you can tell the actor when he got to the little lip of the door you can tell he was like oh we didn't rehearse this oh no what do i do <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute we didn't yeah there's no threshold before this yeah, <laughs> this wasn't a part and of the this, rehearsal. They, it goes. This scene goes on five seconds too long Be, because like, he has to get it over the threshold. Yes, yes. it's really funny. <laughs> so then he go, he he basically you don't see him get on the elevator, but it cuts to him getting off the elevator and he's walking down the hall. We see the lady who was attacked by the parasite in the um, laundry room. He's tra- about to. He's walking past her door, but she opens the door and she's like, "I'm hungry." I'm hungry for love. And he's like, whoa. (laughs) And then she, and her face is all burned and everything. And she fucking, here's what I like. She fucking grabs him and slams him against like the wall and shit. Yeah. And then brings him into her her apartment and then closes the door. And I'm like, oh, that was cool. That was very effective. Scary. Yeah. Scary. Cut to Rolo looking through Hobbs' notes, and by notes, I mean naked pictures of Annabelle. He collects yeah. them and leaves the office. Oh, Cronenberg. <laughs> and he probably rubbed one out before he did that. Of course he did. He's fucking Rolo. With pickle juice all over, pickle juice all over his hands. and Most assuredly. <laughs> sticky Coke, like that God. syrupy sticky Coke and pickle juice all over his hands. Man, his breath must fucking reek. Oh, uh. Make love to me, Janine. You're my wife. Here's here's your favorite part. Cut to Nurse Forsyth making dinner for Roger in her apartment. Oh, she didn't even know. She don't even know. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a gourmet meal, man. She's got a pot roast in the oven. Dude, she's fucking. Dude, she's got to lock down that Doctor D, bro. She's locked that <laughs> shit down. 
<laughs> oh, poor nurse. Uh, so we don't also, even know her first name. No, we don't. Her fucking she's billed as Nurse Forsyth. We don't know her first name. <laughs> fucking Roger never says it once because he doesn't give a shit. She's a nurse. I'm gonna call to him. her Beth. I'm gonna say Beth. Her name's Beth. Someone knocks on her door. It's the husband from the beginning of the film. I like that. I like that it kind of comes back to to that first couple. You know that we that yeah, we saw. Creepy. Yeah, so creepy. And she's, she opens the door, and she's like, can I help you? And I like he's, like, looking at her, you know, like, very creepily. And Ugh. he says, yes, you can help me. And he attacks her before she can close the door. They fight in the apartment, and he kind of keeps trying to attack her. And by that, I mean, well, it's I guess it's not technically rape her, but it's to attack her to put the, the parasite in her. Um, then she's, like, as they're wrestling, she stabs him in the shoulder with, like, one of those cooking forks, and then she runs out of the apartment. Now, the, so, Cronenberg did the stunt of her, of the stab stunt, so, so she was stabbing David Cronenberg's shoulder, and famously, she missed, because the padding, she said, was, like, she was, like, the, the padding was, like, the size of, like, like a little square. She was like, so I had to like hit this like tiny, tiny pad. And she was like, of course I missed it. And, and Cronenberg's like famously like still has a scar on his shoulder from that because she fucking stabbed him. It was worth it. It's art. Mm. It was worth it. Yeah, it is. Cause it's, it's a, a great scene. scene. Yeah. I'm like, she's got to use that, right? She's got to use that. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cause she's had it in her hand the whole time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we see a shot of fucking you know Rolla walking out of the university to his car. Uh, cut to Roger leaving the clinic and locking up. Nurse Beth, no, I'm just kidding. Nurse Forsyth <laughs> runs up to him in a panic and tells him what happened. Uh, she thinks she killed the guy. Roger says he'll go check uh, her apartment and she should stay at the clinic. He leaves and she leaves too because she's like, fuck that noise. Yeah, I know. He's like... I love I love how he's like you're safer here or something like that and you're like wait what no no, no. go to like I just stay once want to I just I just once want to see a horror film from the 70s and early 80s where they don't separate right where they where someone but, says no we should stay together it's probably safer that way so let's do that yeah come on now now now. <laughs> Uh, Roger walks into Beth's apartment. I'm just going with Beth now and looks around. <laughs> yeah, Beth is good. Or yeah, Sabine. Good How about that? Beth or Sabine? Mm, Beth. I like Beth. Beth <laughs> Forsyth. That, that that kind of goes well, you know? Okay. Uh, he doesn't see yeah. the man, but he finds blood on the ground and the bloody fork. He also finds some, like, organic matter. I don't kind of get what this is, um, but he kind of collects it uh, in a swab and puts it, like, collects the sample. I... I what did, did did he vomit or something? Like I I don't know what this organic matter sort of was supposed to be. Probably more that yeah, like spit up juice, right? Of the parasite or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, just then, fucking a bunch of pots fall on fucking Raj, and it's. <laughs> It's Beth Forsyth. She's like, oh, whoopsie, didn't mean to startle you. I just didn't want your dinner to burn. Why does that mean you have to knock over a bunch of pots on me? I mean, come on now. It's silly, but, like, hello, you just got almost got raped, and, and, and now it's, like, this it, wacky comedy moment? No. And all she cares about is is, is Roger's, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, thing burning, you know? It's like, yeah. No. God. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, it made me hungry for a pot roast. <laughs> I know, man. I can go for a, I can go for a pot roast, baby. Damn, Give me that dude, pot roast, this looks baby. so good. Yeah. 
Come on, baby. I want to smell like beef the next day. <laughs> yeah, dude. Of course. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> you sweat and you smell like meat. Gross. In the, in the hallway, <laughs> an old couple are walking to their apartment. I pay- love this couple, by the way. I love them. They're so <laughs> you know cute. They're, They're so, so cute. cute. They're very loving for an old couple. You know, it's very yep. nice to see. Um, oh, yeah. A parasite is on the floor, and it starts crawling up the woman's cane and onto her arm and burning it. The old man gets it off her arm, but she's, like, crying out in pain, and he kind of, like, stomps it a little bit. Now, I will say, this is one of those scenes that I'm sure when you're writing it on paper, you're like, it it crawled up her cane and goes on her arm. But when you see how slow the thing moves, you're like, yeah. how could it really do that? But I will say, David Cronenberg did a good job direct, like directing, editing, like, everything about this scene. I bought it, you know what I mean? Even though in the back of my head I was like, eh, this wouldn't happen, I still bought it. Yeah, I, I buy it enough. They're they're old, and maybe their um their reflexes are not sharp, and you know their reactions are slowed down because they're old. It's dirt, and and I don't know if the old dude is uh just French or if he's got something else going on. But he's like, yeah, he has to repeat everything two times. Yeah, and, no, I think you know. he was French. I think he's supposed to be like French Canadian or something. Yeah, because yeah, he would always say like the doctor would be like, I'm a doc, you know, she's a nurse. He goes, oh, nurse, oh, you know, yeah. I think he was supposed to be like French Canadian. Cut to Janine smoking a cigarette, of course, and reading a magazine. In the Cigarettes. bedroom, Nicholas is waking up and his parasite is moving in his stomach. Oh, God. Roger oh. tells Nurse Forsyth, aka Beth, to go down to the front desk, uh, front desk guard, and describe the man who attacked her. Uh, but before she can, they run into the old couple there's that are just that they was just got attacked and they run into him in the elevator. Uh, Roger looks at the woman's arm and asks the old man what happened to the creature. He says he struck it with his cane and threw it down the garbage chute. Roger tells Beth to take them to, to their apartment and treat the wound while he goes down to the garbage to find the creature. Good makeup on this this one, by the way. Yeah, actually, really, really good on her arm. Yeah. Good on you, Joe Blasco. Yeah, yeah. It was probably his best uh, best makeup effect we, we saw. Yep. Watch it find out, like, he didn't do that and make makeup effective with somebody else. It was Tom Savini. <laughs> probably, yeah, right? Uh, now, and then we get another shot of Rolo, like, driving his car through the city. Cut to a woman and her young daughter in the elevator. The elevator stops and the door opens, but before the daughter gets out, the woman says it's not their floor. They wait for the door to close, but it doesn't. Just then, a hand holding a piece of crushed cherry pie, you know. Oh, David Cronenberg, you and your (laughs) visual metaphors. Oh, he loves his Uh, obvious metaphors. Yep. Uh, so, So this crushed cherry pie hand just reaches around the corner, which is a freaky thing to begin with. Yeah, super creepy. And then it's the waiter. So you kind of, his his head comes around the corner too. And it's the waiter that was attacked earlier. He's eating the cherry pie from his own hands. It's like, you know, of course he's like looking at both of them. And he walks into the elevator and attacks the woman as the door closes. With a big old pimple on his nose. He's so gross looking. Yeah, he's pretty gross with his scraggly beard and shit, dude. Yeah, so gross. Yeah. He probably smells like syrupy cherry pie filling ugh, ugh. you know that little girl that oh poor little, ugh, it's so gross it's just to know again goes back to the the that you don't need to show everything yeah it's creepy enough to know that he's gonna do something gross to both of them i know i mean yeah it's it and it's yeah agreed 100 percent agreed sometimes what you don't see is the creepiest shit and uh, the last thing that little girl's gonna see before she gets wasted is her mom 
getting wasted. Wasted. And then she's how gonna, horrible is that? And then she's gonna see that pimple. Oh, she's gonna see have that pimple all up in her face. Yep, pretty much. Oof. In the old couple couple's apartment. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Beth is dressing the wound. Yeah, that's what that's gonna stick with us, buddy. Uh, in the two door apartment. Uh, Janine is asleep in her chair. Nicholas calls out to her and wakes her up. She kind of knocks over her ashtray. And this is this is how fires start, guys and gals. This is why you don't smoke inside. And this is why you don't fall asleep with the ashtray next to you and the cigarette in your hand, a la freaking Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, you know, with her giant freaking butt-like cigarette thing hanging there. Yeah, gross. Right, it, it is gross. Janine goes into the room and checks on him. Nicholas is sitting up in his bed. He says that he feels wonderful. He tells her to join him in bed. He tries to seduce her and asks if she wants to make love. Say it, buddy. Make love to me, Janine. You're my wife. <laughs> he gets more aggressive with her, but he starts. Yeah. But she starts crying and slapping her, and uh, and he pulls her. He close. slaps her. I know. I- and she goes for it i know i know and then she touches his stomach and she feels the parasite move so she screams nicholas pushes her down and this is kind of when he says it but i i i love it i love it when you say it. say it one more time just for me make love to me janine (laughs) you're my wife (laughs) make love to me zach you're my podcasting wife (laughs) you're my wife i've got this thing in my belly moving around Ooh, it's like he's got a fucking water noodle, wet one of those water weenies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ones that clean the pool or whatever, but they're fucking like flapping around and shit. No, I'm thinking of the thing you know, like squeeze it on one side and it pops up. Oh in the, yeah. Remember like, and if we squeeze it, and the guy's nose would pop out the red yeah, nose. Yeah. And it's like a little clown guy. Yeah, I know. You're like, Ooh, yeah. He's got one of those in his belly. <laughs> gross. Boop. Gross. Uh, he, uh, he gets on top of her. So gross. So gross. So gross. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. Downstairs, Roger walks into the garbage area by the garage and starts rooting through the garbage. He doesn't notice the maintenance man sneaking up behind him. As Roger's back is turned and he's focused on the parasite, he kind of takes a crowbar and kind of like like picks at it and finds the parasite. The man grabs him and they start wrestling to the ground. Roger picks the crowbar up and beats the maintenance man to death with it. 
This was an in, kind of an intense scene, not going to lie. Intense scene. Terrible uh, blood effects. Yeah. Terrible. Because terrible. when he hits the guy on the head, it is like the, it's like they dumped like a paint bucket on his head. And yeah. there's no change in the color. Like, it's all one color the entire yeah. play. And it's not even like a normal blood red color. It's Yeah, it's that 70s blood red, you know? Yeah, that, that takes a little bit out of the scene. But still, effectively, like, I will say his acting's is good in this because he looks shocked and like what did i just do kind of thing yeah but i do agree with you it was a bit much with the blood yeah upstairs janine is is trying to fight off nicholas she breaks free by saying that she wants to be able to see him when they make love she wants to put her contacts in first Oh, my God. Nicholas starts, like, shaking and gagging, and she runs into the bathroom. And this is what you were saying earlier. Like, why didn't she just fucking leave? But she goes into the bathroom and tries to fucking put her contacts in as she's, like, crying and, like, sort of screaming and everything. And I'm like, girl, just just leave, you know? She was telling the truth? Like, she meant that. I'm like, oh, that's a great excuse. Yeah. That I, wasn't that, that wasn't an excuse. That's exactly what I thought. God. I was like, great excuse. I'm like, oh, wait. No, she was just, that's what she was going to do. I'm like, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she goes back into the bedroom and sort of like kind of goes behind Nick, sort of holding him, crying, yada, yada, yada. He starts vomiting blood and a parasite <laughs> onto the pillow. I'm like, get the hell out of there, girl. So, of Go. course. What's wrong with you? Yeah. You deserve to get what's coming to you. Well, Janine does wise up leaves the apartment crying and goes to Bet's place. And when she enters Bet's place, there's this horrible post-production slow motion uh, turnaround of Bet's. So guys and gals, one of my personal pet peeves is post-production slow motion. If you don't actually do it in camera, you have, in order to do it, you basically have to add frames. So that's why it gives it that sort of jerky motion when you do the post-production. But if you do it in camera, that's how you get it like a smooth, you know, slow-mo. So all the slow motion in this movie that looks jerky like this one and later in the pool, which I don't mind. I like it, but like, I like why they do it but it doesn't look great because they don't do it he didn't do it in camera he did it in post-production yeah yeah (laughs) i love that yeah (laughs) and i love when zach doesn't know what to say and i'll probably trim it because there's a good like five seconds of like nothing (laughs) dead silence that's what makes it so great sometimes those uncomfortable pauses are awesome i know i know well sometimes not Downstairs, the security guard hears the emergency alarm for the elevator and sort of gets up to check it. The elevator door opens, and he sees the man, the the waiter guy. He's standing there next to the girl. He's smelling her hair as the girl is now eating the cherry pie out out of her own hands, and her mom is on the ground just kind of like looking up and dazed. Uh, The waiter, I I do kind of like this. The waiter fucking kind of walks out, runs up to him, and I like how he fucking picks him up and slams him the guard on the ground. Yeah. Uh, The man and the daughter and the mom all kind of get on top of him and start, like, you know, doing the the transfer thing. And then the fucking, the young girl puts her mouth uh, against the man, and you know, like, that's it's going to transfer the parasite. Because that's, it's like, you can transfer it by mouth, but I think you can also transfer it by, like, I guess, 
touching your body and sort of burning your body too. But I think the most effective way is to do it mouth to mouth, essentially. Yes. And I think the other way is like it burns the skin and breaks the flesh. Yeah. And that's why the the zombie biting you because the lady in the laundry room, when it attached to her face, she screamed that it was burning. And then later when she says she's hungry for love, the side of her face was all burned and shit. Yeah. And later Rolo says it's burning too. Yeah. In the old couple's apartments, Beth is still waiting for Roger. We see someone like cut the phone lines, I guess, in the basement. Not sure, because in like the internal phones still work. I don't know, but something's cut. I think it's the I think it's the outgoing lines. Yes. Upstairs, Beth hears again, Nurse Forsyth, aka Beth, that, that Zach named her. <laughs> this is cool. This is the kind of shit that I like. She hears someone scream in the hallway and hit the door. She looks she looks out the peephole and then latches the door. I love that you don't see what anything out there at this point, you know? Yeah, it's great. Less is more. Exactly. She says she's going to call the police, but the phone is dead. Beth gets up and leaves the apartment and leaves the old couple behind. Yeah, and then their their latches on later on in this in, in, later on in the movie, and I'm like, but they didn't. Well, I guess you have to assume that they got up and latched the well, door. Well, I. I for, what about the fact that they're both just drinking wine and like kind of like, hey, well, yeah, she gets up and leaves and he's like, no, wait, she uh, needs you. <laughs> yeah. She uh, needs you. Like, no, she doesn't. She's fine. She's fine. She's drinking wine. She's she's a OK. These are like socialites, you know? Oh, you cute old couple. You're drunk off of like a sip. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to like a, a first person shot of Beth running down the stairs and into the the garage below as she's calling out for Roger. Yeah, and you know what? I was watching. I was like, "Why did he do this?" And I was like, "You know what? He probably did it because he wanted to." Like, like, like a shot. Like he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna try something different." I mean, this is his first major film. He's probably like, "Let me try and see what if I can f- see if I can pull off a first person shot." You know? I did it because I could. <laughs> Pretty much. Now take your clothes off. <laughs> what? What? What, David? Take it off. Yes, Take David, you're off. so good looking. Young young Cronenberg's <laughs> hot, man. Not going to lie. How old are you? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What? What? It should matter. No. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> she runs into the trash room and falls over the dead maintenance guy that Roger killed. In the lobby, Roger runs into Merrick and tells him to call the police and have them get there right away. Roger then calls up to the apartment with the old couple and asks where Beth is. The old man tells him she went to look for him. Roger tells the man to stay where they are and hangs up. Upstairs, we see a group of crazed tenants break down the the old couple's front door. This is cool because, like, they're just a collection of people. You know what I mean? Like, of all ages, and I like that. That's freaky. Yeah. And it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor old couple's going to get got. They got got. Everybody gets got. Spoiler alert, everybody gets got. In the garage, Beth tries to find a car that's unlocked while a man is kind of attacking a woman. But you can kind of tell that they're not sort of within eye shot, I guess, you know? Yeah. Beth finds one and starts it. She tries to leave the garage, but the garage gate won't open. Even she kind of goes back and forth over that little tube thing that's supposed to open it, and it won't open. Uh, she kind of opens her car door and is about to get out when the security guard guy now attacks her. Roger hears her screaming from the car and runs over to it. He grabs the security guard's gun while he's attacking her and shoots him in the back two times. Do you think that's when he infected her? Yes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. yeah, I think he infected her right there. 
This gets the attention of the other man who's attacking the woman, kind of lets the woman go. Roger drags the body off of the nurse and gets in the driver's seat of the car. We see the other man get into his car too. Roger says he's going to crash through the gate, so he reverses the car until it hits a pillar. So that was a mistake. You see in the shot of them getting whiplash, that's real. He wasn't yep. supposed to, and he's driving. Like, there's no stunt oh, people because this is a low-budget film. Both, like, the, the, the camera shot of him hitting and the camera in the car, like, those are both two cameras at the same time. He's driving it. That whiplash is their real fucking whiplash. Oh, Jesus. Makes me think that the scene coming up right after is real, too. <laughs> that you can tell is stunt people because they have terrible hair and but yeah but damn dude it's a it's a intense crash it's a fantastic crash so so what happens is they he backs up hits it and he drives forward to go through the gate but at the same time good editing like the other car yes. the other guy in the other car is like driving at them and he fucking t-bones them right Oof. into a pillar it is a fantastic stunt with real stunt drivers and shit it is a great stunt they fucking crush that car uh the 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 bad guy in the other car he he's dead and they are just the two of them are fucked up in that car yeah i i thought uh beth was dead at that point me too originally uh, because her eyes are open actually that I think is bad directing because she's kind of open, then her head moves and then she kind of acts fake. Like it's almost like they started rolling yelled action. And then we're seeing the beginning of that take. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I sort of saw because yeah, you can kind of see her eyes like looking at the camera, looking around it. it yeah. I feel like it was probably done in like one take and she just, wasn't fully appraised of like what the situation was and when, when she should look and stuff like that. Maybe it was yeah. rushed. I, I don't know, but I noticed exactly what you were talking about in the lobby. Merrick is looking for Dr. St. Luke when another couple gets out of the elevator and he greets them back in the basement. Roger and Beth are trying to get out of the car back in the lobby. The couple is complaining to Merrick about all the noise and partying going on. Merrick tells them to come into his office and let's talk about it. Bad call. You know it's going to go down with that shit. <laughs> it's a bad call, Ripley. A bad call. It's bad. You made a bad. It's a bad call. Well, they had a good run, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> In the garage, Raj, Raj helps Beth out of the car via the windshield. Uh, Merrick and the couple walk into Merrick's office but there's an orgy taking place, and Merrick kind of, like, bars the door. Like, he stops the couple from leaving, and then then they get attacked, too. And this is a great scene because, like, oh. the, the guy goes down hard, by the way. Like, you can tell that that, that was, like, a, a, the actor really went down, but he, he, you know, he stayed in character. But you can tell that wasn't, that wasn't planned because, like, oh, yeah. it looked painful, you know? Totally. Yeah. Upstairs, Janine is crying on Bet's lap about Nicholas, but Bet's Bet's has no chill. She goes right in. She's like, "Let's make love. I want to make love. You make love to me. I want to make love. Let's make love." And she's like grabbing her boobs and everything. I'm like, "Sleazy C's like, yeah, baby, let's do it." <laughs> um, and this is super fucking cool. So they kiss, and the camera shows a close-up shot of Bet's throat, like sort of bulging outwards. And this is a really good effect. 
because you yep. don't see the fake skin or anything. And then it bulges outwards, goes down, and then then uh, Janine's throat bulges outwards and goes down. And so you know that the parasite got transferred. It's a great shot. It's effective. It's gross as shit, but also it's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and 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 it's just uh, her. Janine is like she's just a mess, easy to take advantage of. Poor poor Janine. Just poor this whole Janine. entire movie. Poor Janine. Yeah. All she she just wants to be loved. Just I mean, don't 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 any of us doesn't the parasite just want to be loved? Like apparently. <laughs> apparently. It's part aphrodisiac and part venereal disease. Right. <laughs> and we, and of course we get another shot of Rolo driving his car cuz you know, we needed that. Um actually, you know what? I did need that cuz any any more Joe Silver and I'm happy. I love oh, it. Oh, rest in peace, dude. RIP, man. Interesting, uh, dude. Yeah. Roger and Beth walk through the basement uh, looking for a way out. He sits her down in the maintenance room and says all they have to do is wait for the police or Rolo to find them. Rolo parks his car in front of the building. I like this. He puts a sign on it in the dash that says MD on call, you know, medical doctor on call. I like that. I need to give me one of yeah. those signs. I'm sure you can get one from the same people that sell those fake COVID cards. Probably. You probably can. But what do you need? Fake COVID card, handicap placard, uh, MD sticker. MD on call. What do you need? MD on call. We got the entire piece of shit package. (laughs) We call it the POS package. The POS package, guys. Pick up the POS package. Get a t-shirt with that, too. It says, I'm vaxxed and waxed and ready to hit the sacks. (laughs) I like that. I'm vaxxed, I'm waxed, and ready to hit the sacks. That's actually a really good one, buddy. Did you just come up with that one? I sure did. Literally on the spot. Guys and gals, that's a shirt right there. <laughs> and it's a picture of Bill Clinton playing the saxophone. <laughs> of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> come on, man. Oh, good. I love, I love shivers. Shivers is great. You know what? He probably did like shivers. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I showed it to Monica quite a few times. <laughs> Monica? She got I mean, my, my shivers. wife. <laughs> I gave her the shivers. Oh, it's like a venereal disease. It goes in and feels good, and then your penis falls off. What? <laughs> what? What, Bill? I don't know. My brain's <laughs> rotted from the syphilis. I don't know. Why didn't you get your dress dry cleaned? <laughs> uh, I, you know, we didn't see Rolo walking through the, the lobby. I feel like that would have been a problem because he would have seen stuff. So Cronenberg was like, fuck it. We're just going to cut right to him, like, walking off the, you know, the, the whatever floor that is, you know. Uh, yeah. Gets off the, the, the elevator, goes to the, the Tudor apartment. He yells out for Roger, gets no reply. He goes into the bedroom and finds Nicholas in bed with his stomach under the blankets. <clears throat> Rolo walks around the bed to examine Nicholas. He pulls back the covers to reveal a mess of parasites coming out of his stomach. One jumps up and attaches itself to Rolo's face, and then he falls into the pile of parasites. I know. I know. It's so gross. He gets up screaming with them on his face. Dude. (laughs) And, and dude, Joe Silver does a fucking great job. He's like, it burns. Help me, Raj. It burns. And so Rolo runs into the kitchen crying for help. He uses a pair of pliers to get one of them off his face. He still has, like, four more kind of smashes it this makes I love yeah, you sorry. like that and i like that nicholas clearly has a connection to it because when he kills it nicholas's eyes wake up 
Yeah, and I love how there's like a bunch of tools on the kitchen counter. Well, like, well it's know. not a bunch of tools. It's like a pile of 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 pliers. Of pliers. Like, why do you need like eight pliers? Maybe Janine was like doing some plumbing earlier that day. Because <laughs> you know it ain't fucking what's his nuts, fucking nope. Nicholas. Nope, Nick the dick. Nick the dick. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Nicholas wakes up because I, I think he has the connection to the parasite. When he kills it, he wakes up. He goes in the kitchen and he starts fighting with Rolo. Uh, he kind of has him on the ground. He, he Nicholas vomits up uh, uh, another parasite, but tries to put it in his mouth. He won't like do it. He's fighting and everything. So Nicholas just fucking takes a hammer and just fucking beats him to death with it. And it's fucking brutal because he's like, going, oh, God, oh, you know, he's like he's in pain. His face is burning. We love fucking Rolo. And he dies probably the worst death in the entire fucking movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tried and true method. You kill off the most likable character and you're like, wait, what? You know, like in Misery, when um, the the you know, cop, the, right, the sheriff, the sheriff yeah, yeah uh, uh, played by um, uh, Farnsworth, Richard Farnsworth, it's gonna save the day. Shotgun to the chest, done. Like whoa, 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 not ready yet, not ready yet. Yeah, and you're right. This is like a like a trope, and in also because you know Rolo's the the knowledge character as well. So once we lose him we kind of have like sort of no hope, you know, because we thought he was going to be there to save the day essentially. Yeah. I, I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I don't mind movies with a downbeat ending, but, but if, if like I'm the one making the movie, I, I just don't go that route. Yeah. I always have like the side, you know, I go the, the carpenter route of like, well, yeah. Like, you know, the carpenter pretty much, keeps alive prince of darkness he kept alive the people you want to see kept alive for the most part mm-hmm. yeah ah oh, prince of darkness what a great movie mm, i love that movie so just good. hearing it i want it, i want to watch it again you know oh, so good oh it's so yeah, good I... and guys and gals if you haven't listened to our prince of darkness uh episode i i gushed all over that film i mean i just blew my you load did. all over it yeah, but it came through the screen on the Zoom. <laughs> it did. The... Zach got hit by a little bit of it. I was like, whoa, this is 4D. <laughs> this is awesome. Wow. Where's the mister? That wasn't mist. That wasn't water. <laughs> that was sleazy oh. sea, baby. <laughs> oh, talking about shivers. Come on. Come on, man. In the maintenance room. I love shivers. Oh. <laughs> I missed it all over that. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, Hillary. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to mist on you. I was just watching Murder, she wrote. Yeah, right, Bill. <laughs> Dick. Oh. In the maintenance room, Beth tells Roger about a dream she had. <laughs> yeah. This is weird. Roger, I had a very disturbing dream last night. In this dream, I found myself making love to a strange man. Only I'm having trouble, you see, because he's old and dying. And he smells bad, and I find him repulsive. But then he tells me that everything is erotic, that everything is sexual. You know what I mean? He tells me that even old flesh is erotic flesh. 
that disease is the love of two alien kinds of creatures for each other. That even dying is an act of eroticism. That talking is sexual. That breathing is sexual. That even to physically exist is sexual. And I believe him. And we make love beautifully. She leans in close to Roger and the parasite comes out of her mouth. And he fucking punches her right in the fucking face. He cold cocks her. He cold cocks her. He cold cocked her. (laughs) Straight up cold cocked her. Uh, And and then he carries her out of the maintenance room. Oh, and he kind of, sorry, he cold cocks her. And then he kind of uh, uh, wraps her mouth in like a, a handkerchief type of thing, and and then Smart. carries her out of a maintenance room. Yeah, which but my, now, my, so, but this is cool because now this kind of goes back to the very beginning when you see yes. Hobbs put the tape on Annabelle's you know dead mouth, and you're like, well, she's dead. Why would you need to put tape on her mouth? And now you know. Well, also too, and uh, speaks to Rolo like alluding that they can be saved. And then maybe he can save her. Right, right. Yeah, know? exactly. So it, he, he doesn't kill her. He keeps her alive. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't kill her. He just punches her square in the face. As Roger and a gagged nurse Forsyth are walking through the storage area of the basement, and by that I mean an area with a bunch of wooden shack doors? No. I don't no. know what this. I mean, I guess it it's this the locker room, the storage area. It's yeah, I get and because they're numbered and everything, so I don't know. But bunch of stalls with people. It, I got those stalls in my basement too. Well, of course you do, Bill. <laughs> of course you do. You and you and uh, Bill Cosby. And yeah. <laughs> someone say Bill Cosby? No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like I get it. I, I get the whole point, and it's creepy, but it doesn't track it's like eh, it doesn't make sense because they get attacked by a bunch of the residents some of them do kind of come out from the hallway but a lot of them come out of the storage units and you're like well what were you doing in there to begin with now one of the people that do come out of the storage units is david cronenberg so you can see him uh like sort of attack he's uh screen right he's kind of he's really prominent when he opens the door and kind of starts attacking and everything and here's i thought thought you're gonna point out the girl with the gigantic oh the knockers oh we'll get to the knockers don't you worry about the (laughs) knockers but here's what i didn't get so they all attack beth um but she's already infected so you know what i mean and so they all kind of gang up on her and and roger can kind of like he gets sort of like pushed away and then he starts like running and then more of them are chasing after him um and then yes as he runs past the camera this beautiful young lady with with heaving bosoms uh like kind of opens the gate it, it, it kind of blocks them it's actually a really cool shot you know and it, you didn't need the nudity to, to have it be a cool shot but i'm happy the nudity was there but so but is then, it nudity if they don't show the nipples though no i don't know but they were heaving so it was it yeah was they nice. didn't show the nipples there was no there was no this is true this is the, they, they didn't have to cut that for tv that could have made it nope. Nope. Yeah, but, yeah I, I, I don't remember if it did or not. But, but, but Zach, what was your like? I, it really took me out of it that they were attacking her. I feel like they that the creature would have known that the parasite was like in her. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, it's not consistent, especially with with the ending, or with other scenes in the movie. With the scene that comes up later with his two friends, quote unquote, in the in the lobby, in the hallway. Sorry, oh in the yeah, hallway when, yeah. Uh, it doesn't track, you know, because yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I- they, that it doesn't. It's not consistent. However, I will say too, like it's such a weird shot as well because it, it, I get the sense like this is the only way out yeah. from that area. And he goes back to where they started and you think, well, then he's going to be trapped there. But obviously he isn't. It's like Cronenberg is like, Oh shit. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Ah, fuck it. We'll just put him, we'll put him in the, we'll put him upstairs later in the movie. <laughs> but we're two and a half hours in discussing this and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's very little like gaffes or like, goofs or like how about this logic problems like for a first like major film it's a it's very tight like i'm i would expect more issues like this but there there are very little it's a very tight film yeah no i agree i agree and got no overall no complaints it's it's just it's just a moment where you're like "Eh, yeah that didn't work yeah yeah i agree i agree even the wraith had flaws so you know nothing could be perfect Rod, because yeah, because now he's like back in the hallways and everything, you know. Yeah, back in the hallways again. Sorry. <laughs> Roger makes his way to the two door apartment and he kind of walks past a man attacking a woman. He's like, I was about to shoot the man, but he was like, Nah, fuck it. No, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna save my. Well, because she's naked, and you get a sense like, are they both infected and just kind of going at it? I don't know. Yeah, you you don't know. And that's what's that's what's kind of cool though. Not gonna lie. Um, inside the apartment, he finds Nicholas covered in blood and gore near kneeling over Rolo's bloody body. Nicholas stands up and Roger fucking puts three shots into his gut. He didn't even fucking say nothing. He just like pop, pop dead. Pop, 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 pop. Roger tries to go back to the garage and so he kind of goes down the stairs. He's like, he kind of like goes down. It's weird because he kind of goes down, up, down, up, down, up. But he goes back. <laughs> he goes trying to go back down the garage. And you see two teenage girls, like young teenage girls being like being like they are leading somebody. You don't see the person they're leading, but they're leading somebody like dogs. And they're on their hands and knees with leashes and they're barking like dogs. And I'm oh, just were like girls. I thought they were. I thought they were Nelson. The twins. You remember that band Nelson? Yes, I, I, I oh yes, I do. <laughs> that, that joke didn't land. I just can't get enough for one, baby. Oh Nelson, Sorry. Jesus, that's a blast from the '80s past, dude. Yeah, right dude. there, that's how I roll. <laughs> that is how you roll. Uh, so they, they had a song. They had a song about t- uh, rain. And, and I like how he's like he sees them. He's just like Sorry. he's just like nope. Nope. He just like turns around and <laughs> nope. just kind of like nope. goes back up the stairs. But he does like a little like jog run up the stairs. It's 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 so fucking funny though. That scene is hilarious. It's weird. Uh, yeah. It, the I, little after the rain. Sorry, that was Nelson. Sorry. <laughs> and dude, come on, man. You would never like if they did remake this, you wouldn't see any of the kids shit. Probably, you know. Oh hell no! The kids on leashes. That's no insanity. Way. It's insane. Yeah, it was the movie with the little kid when they they throw him back and then they shoot him. Huh? The dead bodies and what? I feel like we we broke down a movie where 
like little kids got shot. Little monster body, like little. Well, there's always uh, there's always the beginning of Assault on Precinct 13. Well, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's something else though where um, oh, I'm whatever. I'm blanking, but no, no, yeah, like kid violence. That there there was a there was a big push where I think it was in the early 80s. Of like, nope, mm. nope, nope. We can't do that anymore. The blob, the blob. What about when the little like fucking 12 oh, yeah, year old yeah. kid gets fucking That's blobified? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scared like, nah. the shit out of me. But yeah, you're right. There was. I remember. And I don't remember like what the exact rule was or whatever, but I do remember there was a point in time in the late '80s where they were like, "You just you can't have kids getting that horrifically killed anymore." Well, I mean, don't put fucking leashes on kids. That's weird. He really should have put two adults on leashes. That would have been better. Yeah, I mean, just saying you don't don't do kids on leashes. So perverted. Yeah, he swung for the fences on this one. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not I'm not saying uh, can- Canadian. <laughs> film board was wrong in like being super harsh on this movie but this yeah i could see some people going to watch this and like oh my god eh? a what did we fund here eh? (laughs) (laughs) this is not what canada's a boot a boot come on canada oh all of our canadian (laughs) friends are gonna kill us I know. Oh, you know. You know. Fucking you know Tim that. and Dean. Fucking action, action, talking back. <laughs> half of our half of our network is Canadian. Come on, guys. We you love know you guys in the great white north. With you. <laughs> we love you guys. Hell yeah, eh? Eh? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm just messing. Just messing, guys. <laughs> Roger gets off on a random floor and goes down the hall until he runs into two half naked guys getting off the elevator and this is when i was like this is when like one of the naked guys has a lot of like splotchy splotchy hair and like he's got like that hair on his shoulder but like you know it's it's just on his shoulder i'm like oh god no uh the other day the other day uh the song um born born to be alive you know that disco song yeah i feel like that was in cruising when when al pacino is like doing a tug of war in a in a leather bar yeah. with another yeah. guy, and they're like, "Going to be alive." And I mean, I'm watching these two guys. I'm like, I bet you in their head, they're like, in their head, they're, they they got that song, "Born to Be Alive." <laughs> well, they're definitely two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> and they, they're down to party. They they're down to party. He runs from them into an apartment, and they're like knocking on the door. And I like this shot, like through the peephole. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's freaky. They're just like. Hey guy, like, hey, hey man, come on out here, come come party with us, man. You know, but I like then that like you see something grab their attention and they just go down the hallway after him. And then, but like you know, Raj is looking out the th- the, the the peephole, and then the light comes on in the apartment. He turns around. Oh boy! And there's this old guy and a very young girl, and he goes, and with an ADR voice, he goes. You like my daughter Erica, don't you? And then the old man starts making out with his daughter, and Roger's just like, "No, no, no," and just leaves. You know, <laughs> he's like, "I can't." No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope, nope. Heart. Nope, nope, nope. Roger uh, runs through the build- building and eventually makes his way to the pool. And then this is the part where he like he looks through the the, the he, like runs up to the glass of the pool and kind of like jams his nose against it so his nose is all like smashed down. I was like, I was like, eh, Cronenberg should have told him that that doesn't look good. That's Cronenberg's yeah. fault right there. Yeah, not not a not a good choice. Not a good acting choice. Not a good look. This is funny though because the door 
the door doesn't, it, the door is locked, right? And then he goes over, right over to the next door, and that door is open? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure. Just, yeah, sure. Uh, we see two women. The, like there's, So we, there's three women in, in the pool. We see two of them are Betts and Janine. We don't know who the third one is. They kind of like walk over to him as he's sort of standing by the pool. Uh, but he opens the door to go outside. And I do like that there's a moment where he opens the door and kind of breathes in. And he's like, yeah. I made it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm making I love this. Yeah. I love yep, this. Yep, me too. So he, he kind of takes that breath in. He's like, oh, I, I did it, you know. And he runs out of the pool area, kind of goes up this, like, grassy hill. And it's all dark out. It's, like, kind of like one shot and everything. There's, there's you know, the light just doesn't go that far, doesn't penetrate that far. And then all of a sudden, he's standing on the top of the hill. The camera doesn't get any closer or anything like that. But then people start start walking out of the darkness. Ugh. It's everyone. It's all the residents in, in the building. Um, it's everybody we know. Like, it's it's fucking, you know, Brad. It's it's the fucking that, that dad and that daughter. It's, it's everybody. Um, and they start, like, sort of walking walking towards him, not touching him, but kind of like funneling him, you know, back down into the, the pool area, you know, they, they sort of force him back there without actually, you know, sort of touching them. And as well, he's, he's like the last survivor, essentially, yeah, he's the last survivor in the whole entire apartment complex. He's standing by the water. He closes the door, but they, they, they come in, they're all coming in. He's standing by the water. Betts grabs his like leg. And then the old guy, I like this, the old guy who was upstairs, you know, with the wife, who's got bit the old guy pushes uh raj into the water with the cane and he falls into the water and everyone starts falling into the water too and and by the way uh behind the scenes um some of these people were like the the crew as well because they just needed more people so like some of the people were just just like crew guys and gals just jumping in the water and stuff so and it, it kind of turned into like a fun thing like everybody was having a good time and like you see it when you watch it you're like you can tell they actually are having a good time and it it, it doesn't take me out but at the same time i can feel that energy and i'm like yeah it's a little different than i was hoping for but it's still cool it's really cool um people everyone jumps in the water and we see Beth, Nurse Forsyth, was the third girl. She turns around. She walks oh. towards him. And as he's, like, in the water being held by a bunch of people, she just walks up to him and kisses like kisses him. The kiss of death, you know? This is the kiss of with death. Her, with her chlorine-filled eyes with that her, are bright red from the just being in the water too long yeah poor poor girl i felt so yeah. bad for her she looked, she looked cold she looked like she was shivers um, yeah she didn't have the shivers yeah and then uh cut to a little bit of a, like a little bit of a fade you know to black fade to the next scene and we see the the garage the gate open uh from the outside to to the starliner uh, uh apartments towers and then cars just start coming out with all the people that we saw. So, like, Roger and Beth are first. We see, like, you know, the all married couple. We see the old dad with the, the young daughter. We see everybody. And they drive all out. All dressed up. All dressed, all dressed up, up. Looking great. All dressed up for the world. Looking great. They go out into the world. And we roll credits over, like, the cars driving and stuff. And there's a news report on the radio uh, I wrote it down. It says a citywide wave of violent sexual assaults is being reported. The assaults belie- uh, are believed to have originated in the vicinity of the Starliner Island. And it just kind of fades out. And that's it. That's shivers. It's 
it's like a zombie movie. It's it's a it's a it fucking is a sec- it is. It's a sexual zombie movie with with a typical not a typical but like a good zombie ending where like the world is going to be infected now. Like this was the yep. beginning of the end essentially. And man, I think uh, you know horribly pervy shit aside with like the kids on on the leashes and stuff. Like it, it, some of that stuff is is really hard to watch, but man, I am so glad that this movie exists in its entirety and we can see it you know what i mean because it feels just feels just so raw and interesting and honestly i love his fucking take on fucking pervy you know zombies essentially well it's fitting that you open the episode you open this episode with saying that this was a part of a you know quarantine combo this and the burning and the burning having, you know, the king of Hollywood pervs, uh, uh, currently, <laughs> current king of Hollywood pervs uh, in, in, in Weinstein. And then this pervy post, this pervy apocalyptic film, um, they, they, they team up pretty well. They do. If you think about it. Uh, but th- this, this is, this, it, you know, for, you can analyze this film on different levels. Uh, you could say that this is his commentary. You don't know ultimately what's inside Cronenberg's head. This this could be Cronenberg's fascination with uh, you know, sexuality and 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 the venereal diseases. Um, there's a lot of ways to look at this film, but if you look at it blanketly as a as a you know um, as a deranged zombie flick, it's great. It's great, and and it's, as like in like you you know a, a drange, but like let's say like an alternative zombie flick, and if you like you yeah, can play if you compare you this to like the crazies, uh, the original crazies, which is again and like a zombie adjacent sort of thing, I yeah. say this fucking kills that in spades. Oh no doubt, no doubt this this movie, um, the 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 dark humor if it's intentional is 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 on point. It's got to be intentional. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be intentional. We think, you know? I think we Cronenberg's got a nice, nice sense of dark humor to him. Yeah, it, I mean, I laughed when I think you were supposed to laugh, mm-hmm. and I was shocked when I think you were supposed to be shocked. And I, you know, this movie, 1975, is when this movie came out. It still holds up in in many ways. Very it's flawed well. for for a 70s uh, low budget horror film. But man, it's fun. It's a fun flick, and I'm so glad we watched it again. And uh, you know, obviously got to have a good time talking about it for close to three hours. Yeah, yeah. And again, we are not at all being paid by Vestron whatsoever. But I think we both highly recommend picking up this Blu-ray. Again, it's so cheap. You really have no reason not to. If you've never seen it before, and you made it this long. I assume you probably will pick it up. But like Zach said. This movie holds up well. Like, it's 1975 it was made, and it's 2021 right now, and this movie holds up very well. You know, flaws and all. And and again, like I said at the beginning, I think it's a really raw look into uh, David Cronenberg's mind. And if this is a gap in your viewing, you should definitely correct that. And I just like I need to correct Dead Ringers, and I need to correct... Uh, uh, scanners. I mean, it's weird because when I look at his his filmography, I'm like, oh, well, I've almost seen everything. So why didn't I just watch those other two things? You know what I mean? Like, I've almost seen all of his movies. I mean, I've seen Naked Lunch. Just go watch the better shit, you know? But again, I'm waiting for, at this point, I'm just waiting for, for it to come to pad to do scanners. 
Oh, for sure. Scanners is going to be the next one you watch. Nice. Um, no doubt about that. Nice. And guys and gals, I don't know. I'm trying to segue into two dollar lay fee. I don't know. But hey, we just wrapped up our our you know our two dollar lay fee uh, podcast after dark. Uh, Wraith is uh, Wraith Timber. Uh, you know September of Wraith, and we had an absolute blast with that. I know. You all listened to both of those episodes because you all have been commenting and everything. And uh, uh, on on and I see the downloads for the Wraith and holy shit for a four for a four hour episode, you all ate that motherfucker up quick. But if you didn't know, you should also check out the third part of our Wraith Timber crossover event and go listen to $2 Lafey's interview with Matthew Barry in the Wraith, AKA Billy. You guys know Jake, Jake, Jamie. So <laughs> Zach and Dustin interviewed Matthew Barry. How'd that go, buddy? Oh man. Yeah. If, if you want to keep that Wraith train going and going strong, listen to that interview with Matthew Barry, the guy, the guy actually was a quote-unquote child actor. He did a movie with Bernardo Bertolucci uh, called Luna. And uh, you want to see talk about perverted, deranged stuff, check out the trailer for Luna on YouTube. It's 30 seconds. You, it's Also, I drop it in the interview as well. Uh, older woman, younger kid. You get the point. Oh, my. Oh Bernardo my. Bertolucci. Uh, yeah, no, but Matthew Barry is a top-notch, solid guy. Super nice, super nice, super forthcoming on everything. Totally honest. Uh, shares his opinions about everything and anything in regards to the Wraith, his career, where it went, where it is now. Um, he calls someone a dick in the episode, and I won't say who it is, but he's very well known to today's audiences, uh, very topical in many ways. So it's worth checking out and listening to. He's great. He's great. So yeah, uh, for everybody that has everybody, for everybody that is a pad follower who went on $2 late fee, I just want to say thank you for, for giving us the opportunity and checking us out. There's a lot of, um, competing brands on the market and, and in, for you to, you know, try something else or add it onto your palate. Uh, it's much appreciated, you know, two dollar $2 late fee in many ways. It, it's, it's a, it's a continuation of what we do here. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's, just in a different degree. It's like the lighter side of, of pad and man, I had a blast, uh, you know, with you and Dustin, I had yeah. absolute blast recording that episode, the, the $2 late fee episode and, and the, you know, the pad episode, both of them. Um, and I think we can kind of announce it now, but we plan on doing one of these crossover events, uh, once a year because we had yep. so much fun. Um, but we want it to be a big deal. Like we want it to be like one of those big crossovers that we used to love as kids, you know, like on the TV shows when like these mega crossovers would happen, it would be a big deal. So like we want to make it special. It's not just going to be like a one episode thing. As you guys saw, it's, it's going to, it will be like multiple episodes, but we want to do it every year, once a year, because it was so much fun and uh well and more importantly y'all seem to like it so you know yeah that was it was yeah. a blast you know you're gonna you know what you're getting from us and uh dustin uh the three-way connection is really solid and good and uh 
<laughs> my favorite get... my favorite part was the wraith episode was when you were talking about wanting to move to arizona and i was like well i legit made dustin like sort of like blurts laugh you know like Bop. yeah <laughs> oh I, I i do that with you i do that with him yeah, i, I do that all do. the time it's great trust we, me we have a great dynamic all, all three of us it was it's a lot of fun uh, uh podcasting with you two man seriously it's a lot of, i mean obviously you know i have fun podcasting with you but you and dustin it was an absolute blast oh yeah it was great and and for everybody that listened uh thank you and if you haven't listened to it go check it out because it's it's a whole barrel of laughs it is and then check out matthew barry it's a nice continuation of uh it's it's kind of a perfect bookend to uh to to the wraith to yeah. wraith timber yeah it was it's a it's a perfect way to conclude it and uh it's awesome and i hope i hope you guys and gals check out every episode in it check out ours check out the two dollar late fee and everything and uh you know we hope you also check out our canadian brothers uh up at uh talking back tim and dean and of course uh action action uh john james and dustin up there we love you guys <laughs> yeah, love go ahead you guys and- trash me trash my <laughs> my terrible accents our, our, and all fucking, that stuff. our fucking american ways and yeah, uh, do it. check out everything on the bfop network uh you know check out blast from our past check out throwback trivia takedown check out cartwright a seinfeld cartwright. podcast cartwright and uh check out curb your enthusiasm which is uh, out there as well and guys and gals, we had a blast. <laughs> this is the, one of the sleaziest movies we've reviewed to date. So, well, you know, and was it sleazier than Life Force? I think so. Oh, I think so. yes. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah, a different kind of sleazy. Um, an intentional sleaze. An intentional sleaze. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I think so. Life Force was not intentionally sleazy. <laughs> <sighs> and as always... We'll catch you on the sleazy side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.